Hi, my name is Jamie Lynch, and you are listening to Eating Habits, my podcast about everything restaurants. I will explore the human element of the hospitality business, and I'll talk to the who's who in restaurants, explore their stories, and hear what's on their minds in the ever-changing landscape of the food and beverage industry. Today, I had the pleasure to speak with Helen Schwab. Helen was the anonymous food critic for the Charlotte Observer in Charlotte, North Carolina for many, many years. I never knew as a chef what Helen looked like or when she was gonna come in and critique my restaurants. And she has reviewed every chef and restaurant worth its salt in Charlotte, North Carolina. And some that weren't. So let's start off. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you came to be the restaurant critic for Charlotte Observer. Sure. And you did that for, I mean, like 30 that years or something, right? That was 88 to about 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started, I actually was filling in for the previous critic who had gone on sabbatical. And I said, I can do this for a few weeks. Sure, no problem. We wanted to have a presence. And at that point, it was every other week, one place, you went twice. Is that right? Yeah, every other week. Mm-hmm. Every other week, maybe every three weeks. Um, and when she came back into the office, this is Danny Powell, uh, who was marvelous. Uh, she came back to the office and she said, you know, I had such a great time eating without writing down in a little notebook what the lighting was like that I would like to never do this again. That's <laughs> I said, awesome. Okay, okay, well, let's see. Let me think about that. Um, <laughs> And I was editing at that time and so she wanted working out. some design. She was ready to be done. She, she had done it for, um, you know, I should have looked this up. I don't remember. Maybe 10 years. She okay. had done it for a while. Okay. Um, and she was ready to stop doing it. Sure. Um, and a brilliant writer, poet. I mean, she does a lot and has continued to do a lot. Um, and I said, well, I can do it. You know, I, I think I can keep doing it for a little while. And 88 was, I got pregnant in 89 and so I did it for a while I really liked it I started you know researching like crazy and just trying to do a lot more um, backgrounding of myself because I did not have you know I had weighted tables and I had dated cooks but I did not have what I thought would be helpful to people um, to readers so started doing a lot of that and then got pregnant and said pitch to the observer I'd like to keep doing just this I want to take off the rest of it and I want to keep doing this Um, what do you think and they said great we love it and we'll do it more often we'd like to do it more often um so did that for the next you know 30 years yeah Um, and it would go up and down it 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 was at its most half time it was never full time right um which you know could it be a full-time job absolutely without question it could be several people's jobs given the newsroom at that time which was somewhere around like 300 people, you know, 280, 290. Um, was it an appropriate breakdown? Yeah, it probably was. It, yeah. For Charlotte, you know, Charlotte's not Charleston. It does not have, did not at that time yeah. have any kind of range at all. Right. So, um, and I should backtrack and not say, not any kind of range at all. Please don't <laughs> DM me. Um, there was some range, but there was certainly not anything. I mean, you know, I remember writing about the first Thai restaurant to come into Charlotte. So right. that, that happened on my watch the first everything um 
not the first Italian restaurant run by Greeks. That did not happen on my watch. But um, <laughs> That's funny. When was that? Wonderful stuff. That was like in yeah. 18. Uh, no, that's, that's been true for, I mean, how old's the open kitchen now? That was not the first. The open kitchen was not the first. Um, and it's great food. It's just yeah. not, you know, technically Italian food. Right. It's certainly no regional Italian food. But I would go there and have chicken livers and baklava any day of the week right you know yeah yeah um, <laughs> which are not right traditionally italian <laughs> there's just not not happening right we would get pizza and fries from the open kitchen on a late night in the sports desk i first came to the observer in the sports department so okay that's so sports was your was your way into the observer yeah i mean my way in was a professor at school called and said are you ready to get a real job and i was teaching horseback riding and working at a 7-eleven waiting to be robbed in maryland and i said i i guess yeah i'll i'll go work that's hilarious wow okay Pickled pig's feet. so did you so you studied did you study journalism yeah. and okay so you went to northwestern yep. right um very cool and then uh, so you started in sports and then you kind of took over for uh, I was in sports, and then I went to uh, Metro, and then I went to Features. So I've worked in, you know, okay. I had worked in every department by then and uh, loved the diversity of that experience. So um, did you feel that you had, um, w- let me figure out how to phrase it. So the, was I qualified? It, 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 well, in it, no way was I so qualified. So that brings up an interesting for, question, because one, one of the topics I want to get into is absolutely. this, I'm calling it critique culture, right? Yep. It's where, you know, Yelp. All these review sites, um, people are just so empowered by mm. social media and all these sites to be a critic. So blame um, Zagat for that. What is? Zagat. Okay. Blame oh, Zagat. Yeah, right. Which was the first yep. uh, mainstream, you can say anything you want and we'll mm-hmm. put it in our book. Yep. And the more entertainingly trashy you are, the, the more, more likely your quote will get into the book. And so that's a thing. So that... You know, I mean, there is a strain of criticism. So I always like to pause and say criticism is not being critical, as in not being negative. It mm-hmm. is assessing things. To critique is to assess, not to right. bitch at. Right. Right? Yes. Or, or hang people out to dry. Mm-hmm. And I think that that definition mostly misses people. <laughs> they just kind of totally. sleep on that part. Um, so to assess, you do need context you need experience now i am someone who would argue that the goal of restaurant criticism in a mainstream publication or online entity medium is to help the reader decide if they would like a place and Mm -hmm. how to spend their money yep so i believe that my job was never tom colicchio's job of did you screw this up this is what you should have done (laughs) right nor is it Padma's job, which I'm not always entirely sure what that is, but um, you know, it, it was not that. It was to bridge the restaurant, the dining experience of the common person with what chefs and cooks and small mom and pop owners wanted to put on the plate. Yep. And can you help people see that? And can you tell them, is this traditional? Is it authentic is a word I despise ever since the woman called me up and, and railed for 30 minutes about a pasole her mom made never had hominy in it, ever, ever, ever. And 
the very next call was like, if it doesn't have hominy in it, it's not pozzoli. And right. I'm like, okay, so clearly authentic is not, and I'm doing air quotes around yep. authentic. That's not a word I ever want to use again. Right. Traditional is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, regional, if you can define the region, and that just takes a lot of work. Yep. Um, so I believed and believed that I was qualified by research and experience but did not was not I mean I cook a lot but I would never pretend that I could run a restaurant I mean ever sure and I think for the most part there are a few people who have been in the food world who are good critics Mm -hmm. not a whole lot of them because it gets too technical right it gets too. I mean there are people who are really really good at it sure but that's a really small segment of, right. of folks who can bridge that. I think that's one thing that Tom's really good at. Tom Colicchio yes. is like, so Tom is the master of yes. criticism. Okay. The, the beauty about Tom is experiencing him twice on Pop <laughs> Chef um, <laughs> is that he knows his stuff, yes. right? He can discern a sauce, yes. a, a dish yes. without having been there to see it yes um he may not he may not be able to, to to pinpoint exactly what happened but he'll be able to say to you hey uh chef what happened with the mushrooms right and you're like the oh, mussels if you take yeah. them out of that cream they're gonna dry out <laughs> yeah and then, yes yeah the, all this um and uh and so you know so he's he's a you know right. he's an expert cool but you you mentioned um helping a diner know whether they'll like it or not right i think is yeah, I think that's okay. the piece that's missing. Yeah, and so and and that brings up another point too is do you think that there's a demand for that still? Um, I mean, we don't have it in Charlotte now. Um, you haven't been doing it since 2016, right? Couple in 17. Okay. Um, so it's been honestly, a hot minute, and and so now, so the reason I'm getting to this is. Mm-hmm. I do value that perspective of like you have somebody who is consistent That's in huge. their in their criticism and in, in their ideas and whatever, whether you agree or not. Exactly. Right. You exactly. can exactly. You know, which is a, also a point. People right. Miss. And as a chef, I, I value that. Right. It's Absolutely. like I know from reading your reviews and the places that you go, the things you like and you don't. I can do my own homework and say, okay, I can, you know get through this review and decide what's important to me, what, what I think I need to focus on and what I don't. Right. Exactly. And with this critique culture thing, it's just everybody's whim. I mean, people hit us up and they're like one star, you know, the sauce was broken and it ruined my day. Right. I'm like, Oh really? My sauce ruined your day. Yes. Well, I'm sorry for you. Get over yourself. Right. Small life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If that, if that's what did it. Right. I well, but the yeah. very next person will say the sauce was way too, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the diametrically opposed criticism. Right. And I think that is, I mean, that's when you get the criticism. So for Yelp, it, it skews toward people who are mad, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, people who don't know what they're talking about and people who want to take it out. My, my, my absolutely favorite Yelp review ever was the person who said it was really good, but they didn't comp it. So I'm going to not give them any stars. It's like, and they should have known I'm a big influencer. I thought, okay, that's clearly, so you liked it. And yet because they didn't make it free they're they suck at their job. So, you know, we need to ding them and that's going to be in the averages. I'm just not sure. I mean, that's when there is criticism. The fact that it's not consistent helps no one. I mean, Yelp, at least Yelp identifies the person, and so you can look in their their 
history archive, or their history and compare your experience with theirs. But typically those people don't write, I mean, you've got a few that write dozens and dozens and those tend to be people with who are very angry right. and, and have very small <laughs> bandwidths uh, yeah. on, on what is going to ruin their day. Um, <laughs> But you'll get somebody who you feel like, oh, I'm simpatico because I felt that way about that restaurant. And then they haven't reviewed anywhere else. And so mm-hmm. what are you to do with that? You right. Yeah, to totally. So I think you're right that, that you need the consistency. You need to be able to, as a diner, again, you need to be able to align your view. Whether you agree or not, you can align with someone who is consistent. And you can, you can know if they think nothing is ever spicy enough and then something is spicy, you know, I'm going to avoid that if right. you are spice averse. Yep. Um, and, and that just doesn't exist. Yeah. The thing that's more pressing to me and I think more disastrous for the food uh, scene is that influencers have skewed it so heavily to visual only. Mm-hmm. So the yep. consumption of news about restaurants is how did it look on the plate? Totally. And the, I, I actually watched someone post five pictures from a, you know, obviously a media opening. So mm-hmm. everything is exactly the way you're never going to see it. <laughs> right. If yeah. you actually yeah. order it's it. It's just this one time. Just this one time. <laughs> and it looks exactly the way we want it to. And another influencer said, Oh man, that restaurant killed it. And I thought, did they? Did, and yeah. how would you have any, idea i mean people look at the pictures and think they know right and and you know top chef's a little bit of the problem there because oh let's talk about that you know i mean that's they made it visual they made i mean i i'm sure that there are thousands of people in america who feel like they know what tom colicchio knows now so i would argue that that no dishes that i prepared on top chef looked the way I intended them to. <laughs> I believe that. In I my head. That. I I'm believe like, that. So. How could they? I mean, yeah. what an insane... Yeah. I, and I love Top Chef. Yeah. Um, I just rewatched uh, some of it. <laughs> and, I mean, just insane. Yeah. This, this last one where it's like everybody scurries to the... No. Yeah. No. What Cra- world is that? It's no. crazy. It's That's just... absurd. Yeah. It's, you know, and a lot of things that I tell people... And, and the funny thing about... Maybe not the funny thing. I guess the kudos to them. Top Chef is real. Like there is a, oh, there's no that. takes. There's no like let's do this again. I believe um, that. It's very like their their production team blows my mind. Like the way they're able to execute these challenges and shows and put it all together is yeah. is mind boggling because absolutely no I, and it's entertaining and yeah. and they do what they do for a reason. Mm-hmm. I get that. That I'm trying to count the number of seasons that I watched where I felt like, oh, that person deserved to go home right now. No, no, right. hardly uh, ever. Yeah, hardly ever. <laughs> Somebody's made three straight dishes that knocked it out of the park, and that I mean. So let me. Here's my hot take. Okay. I absolutely would have done exactly what you did on the immunity. Thank you. Yeah. A, I wouldn't have had the presence of mind to think through. Okay, wait. If I get the chicken and the peanut butter and I screwed up, someone on my team other than me is going to go home. Right. I would not have thought that through and then I would have been standing where you were and done yeah. exactly that was the right thing to do that was yeah. the honorable thing to do right and, and I, I know you got trash for it that's I got, I got ridiculous trash for, so I get like totally 50 50 on it right so 50 percent of the people you are did. like get okay. trashed and then 50 percent of the people are saying hey good on you for doing the right thing my deal that I tell everybody though is that I didn't give up no, I told them I said hey if not. you guys if you guys think my dish was that because I was in the room I was sure. smelling the scallops sure. that Casey put up that were 
like not fresh yes, and not serving okay. raw. Like I saw all that yeah. stuff and, and a lot of viewers didn't. Um, I mean, there were like, I would never have, I would never have served scallops that were not fresh, right. that were like borderline on the edge, raw. Okay. It's insane. And so, you know, so, so there was some inside stuff there that like some scandalous, um, some facts about it, but, um, but you know, it misses it, the moral high ground, which is, doesn't matter if you gave up or not. You were looking at, it's not fair if I cook this dish for one of my teammates to go home. That is the right. moral high, high ground by definition. And right. the notion that people could have seen it as anything but that is just really disturbing. Yeah. And I, and I felt that, um, you know, and b- based on the feedback that I received during that episode, which like it was a, the, just for people that didn't see it, it was a big party, like a cocktail party. Yeah. And there was like 200 people walking around to the <laughs> to the different things. And I got the peanut butter and chicken. Right. Mm-hmm. So I did this satay thing. Not my best work for sure, but it wasn't terrible. I did have some yeah. technical issues with the chicken, like sticking on the grill and I stuff like that. Yeah. Girl's but, not going to work. But the feedback that I was getting from the guests at that were walking around was that it was very good. People were coming back for more. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, it's not that bad, right? Yep. Well, of course, Padma trashed it. Like, yep. totally went to town. And, um, and so my deal was that putting us at the bottom, like you said, I, I had an issue with the setup. Right. It was like, okay, cool. Exactly. Well, Jamie's got immunity. So let's send one of these guys. Right. Yeah. And it was like, and my dish, in my opinion, was not the worst dish right. of the day. Right. And that team was not on the bottom. Right. So, you know, that was kind of like, I'm not going to allow that to happen. Yeah. Disaggregate right? these teams yeah. and send the worst dish home. I mean, team right. challenges are just. Bullshit yeah. Anyway. Yeah. To- That's totally. Just so <laughs> every team assignment in high school it's the exact same thing the right. one guy who doesn't do anything and always seems to skate through it's just the same so right. so anyway i think yeah. top chef i do hold top chef responsible in a large and the food network in general for I popularizing know, not, for um deifying chefs for mm-hmm. one thing for making kids i remember having a really early conversation when uh johnson and wales came to town um with a chef who said you know kids graduate high school and they think they're going to have their show totally. and they come to cooking school to get their show. Yeah. Not to learn to cook. They're coming out of <laughs> Johnson and Wales coming, thinking they're going to get exactly. a show. And so that, that ruined it from, from the service standpoint mm-hmm. and TV ruined it from the diner standpoint because people think they can look at something and know what's wrong with it yep. or know how it's going to taste or know anything <laughs> at all. Right. Except that that's what it looks like. Right. That's, uh, I think that was a perfect segue into Instagram influencers, which is how Charlotte gets most of its restaurant news now. Totally. I mean, and I wanted to get into that a little bit. Do you think that this, you know, um, this obsession with chefs because of the popularity of like Top Chef and Chopped and like all those kind of Food Network type things um, is part of the reason that influencers, I'm air quoting influencers, mm-hmm. um, are so attracted to criticizing restaurants and chefs do you think because people Hmm. do you think it has to do with the popularity of like those shows and then it being kind of like a i mean it's a cultural thing now people watch all these like cooking shows and there's like a million of them i mean there's shows out there i don't even know yeah (laughs) you know i i will say that in in my and i i don't look closely anymore because it's too upsetting (laughs) yeah it's too upsetting to to look at stuff um on Instagram specifically, 
my sense is not that people are trashing much. I mean, you get the occasional thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just posting and saying, this, had this last night. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. The notion that amazing should ever be used for one thing, but also that there is any information to be gleaned from that other than what Charlotte diners have always been uh, accused of, which is to be very trendy and for everyone to run in crowds to the, the next new thing. Mm-hmm. That just exacerbates this. That, totally. That all that picture tells you is that somebody got to go to a media event yep. and is posting live out of that event. And that's enough for many, many restaurant owners to, to pay for, mm-hmm. which, I mean, is my other quibble. Nobody, hardly anyone will put sponsor, ad, whatever, which yep. is actually you know, legally required. You is it? To, if yeah. you're getting paid for posts, mm-hmm. you, you need to post that. Um, it, so it just encourages people to scurry from one place to the next, to not establish any kind of relationship with a restaurant, mm-hmm. to not try it more than once, to not, um, to take the word of others. And if it doesn't look the way it did, it, it encourages portion size, uh, an emphasis on portion size that's mm-hmm. bullshit. It encourages, I mean, I actually read an actual review in a magazine that talked about the, the perfect mimosa and the size of it and nothing else <laughs> at all, just how big it was. I'm like, you know, I just I'm not sure know, if that's part of the... I, mm, um, <laughs> that's funny. So I think that by definition, the visual assessment of food is is hugely flawed and that is the only thing that people have Mm -hmm. so there's there's little captioning when there is captioning it tends to be the complaints tend to be i didn't get served right away Mm -hmm. or it was too small or it was too expensive and that is just such an nth of the information that uh, somebody who cares about food wants or needs to make a good decision the very very worst part is if somebody posts a picture of sushi and it's pretty, and they say amazing, and it's actually terrible, and mm-hmm. somebody goes, they then think they don't like sushi. Right. Oh, that's a and good point. And where that screws it up is for everyone else trying to put sushi on the menu, and I use sushi in general, but right, yeah. uni. I mean, you, you yeah. have one bad piece of uni. No one's ever going to order right. it again. Yeah. So you've just or, taken or it off oyster. the menus. Oysters is a great one because you get a bad oyster. You're like, ooh, I hate Done. oysters. Hate, it's like, I hate oysters. Well. You've screwed it up for everybody mm-hmm. because – in my experience over decades, chefs start taking that stuff off because it doesn't sell. I mean, so, I, hey, I've nobody done, gets I've sweetbreads <laughs> anymore because yep. you know people want, Ugh! and that's tragic. Yeah, that is tragic. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's a, that's an interesting point. We used to laugh that if a non-American cuisine that was not popular in Charlotte uh, or was not available in Charlotte opened, get there in the first month. Before they take all the good stuff off the menu because and, they can't sell it. Yeah, and they Americanize it and do the whole sweet sauces oh and the my whatever. Dear God, yeah. <laughs> I hate that. It's I, and or or they take or things just disappear. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they um, just don't do them because they can't sell it. Beautiful little Turkish place that just fewer and fewer things. I mean, we've we just, we've done that at at Five Church. Sure. Um, our flagship, like we don't serve foie gras. Like I had fog on the menu for years when we first opened and I got to the point where like, we just couldn't sell it. Mm-hmm. Like our clientele and as you know, the, the people that were dining there, yeah. um, 
they weren't familiar with foie gras. Right. They were not well-traveled. They right. were, you know. Well, let's talk about uh, the quality of South Park restaurants in general. <laughs> let's talk about tipping in Valentine, too. But but let's, let's okay. get it all. <laughs> Let, yeah, let's um, do it. Come you, on, Helen. What, what else do you want to talk about? You were at table, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, some lively conversations about how um, people's expectations on price, people's expectations on tipping mm-hmm. are that's what's wrong with the restaurant industry. Yep. It's not. I mean, Charlotte's been on the cusp, using the air quotes, of yep. a, just a breakout food scene for 25 freaking years. Yeah, when, when are you either going to break out or, like, what's going to happen it's here? Not about the, it's not about the chefs in the restaurant. It's definitely not. It's about diners. Yes, I agree. What do you think, what do you think that's about? I mean, so, you know, the Charlotte food scene is strong right now. I mean, we have a lot of talented people. Um, we have way more, um, chef partnered restaurants, Mm -hmm. kind of like where chefs are involved in the ownership Mm -hmm. structure, which makes it chef driven. In my opinion, um, you have a chef who's helping to call the shots. Um, and so, so it's not a lack of having options or having talent. Um, you know, is it, is it the dining public? Is it, you know, is it a trend? Is it, what do people want? Do you have any thoughts on all that? Like, you know, it's, 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 I, I have strong feelings about it cause I'm a chef yep. and, and they change. So what, what I wanted 10 years ago when we opened five church sure. was to be the best, to do something that nobody else was doing, to cut, mm-hmm. cut, you know, do all that, which I think we did. Mm-hmm. Five Church is still going strong, and it will continue. I mean, we've opened multiple in other cities, and it's yeah. it's it's a proven um, thing now. And what is the thing that is Five Church? What is that thing? It is a modern American, I would say, funky, eclectic restaurant that's not fine dining. And how often does the menu change, and what percentage of it changes? At it any changes time? probably every four months, like once a quarter. You know, as the sea, it kind of follows the seasonality mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, you know, it's not rigid. And when you change it, you change thirty percent of the menu. I would say, yeah, that's probably about right. And so that that other uh, maybe forty percent. I had to do the math. Sixty, seventy percent uh, are stand up dishes all year long. Yes. And what percentage of your sales is that? That's a good question. Um, I would say, I mean, I'll tell you right now that the filet mignon on all of my menus yep. is probably the number one seller. Sure. Right? Um, or the steak, whatever the steak right. option is, right? So why and, does Charlotte have 17 steak restaurants? I mean, I think yep. that was at its peak. It was 17 steak restaurants Yep. in town. Unbelievable. I mean, that's why. Yep. Because that's what people buy. Right. And is it part, it is certainly partly travel it is certainly partly exposure it is certainly partly um we don't have a self-regulating dining scene in the way that charleston does or Mm -hmm. new york city does that self-regulates people just don't go and you die yeah um people walk people vote with their with their dollars or with their with their feet they do and they do that here too but they do it to i mean again i remember i'm trying to think how long ago this was there was a little italian place that made new york style pizzas called Carlos and I remember the owner saying I'm in this to make a living not a killing and it was just a great quote I mean it was yeah and it was it flew in the face of literally everyone at that time could not wait to get their second restaurant open just could not wait like we've been open three months over here and I can't wait to open six more right and it I mean what is it 
I think the average is what five or six percent profit margin now. Is that true of you guys? Yours is higher. Ours, right? ours is higher than that, How but much higher. We're we're usually around ten as an average, okay. but but we we spike higher than that too. Yeah. But, but ten ten is our is our happy spot. So that's just not a big profit margin. No. And so it doesn't. And that's really, a good profit margin. It does, and it's and not that's big. An exceptional. Profit yeah. Margin. <laughs> and it's not. And big. that does not reward risk. Mm-hmm. So if you want that, you're not going to risk. Correct. So so that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't demand service. That is of the quality that you will often find elsewhere and when i say demand i don't mean leave the restaurant and write a shitty yelp review right i mean do you know Mm -hmm. do you know what how it should be do you do you know the do you know the differences between fine dining and casual dining do you know the difference between upscale and you know fine dining right Right. And if you think that your service staff does not know from table to table who knows and who doesn't know, of course they know. Right. And who are they busting it for? They're busting it for the people who know the difference, right? right. So it, it's, I think what has been frustrating to me is that Charlotte continued to be a um, trend-driven, um, popularity-driven place even when we had loads of talent. I mean, we've had mm-hmm. loads of talent in other years. Totally. We've had years where we had an exceptional lineup of places that scrimped along mm-hmm. because people didn't see the difference between McCormick and Schmick and X, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I can't think contemporaneously over sure. decades, but yeah. um, they didn't. And I shouldn't say they couldn't tell the difference. The difference did not matter enough to them to patronize one and not the other. Um, And, I mean, you can't – part of that is having people write about it and and sharing information about it. Part of it is um, how badly does the restaurant want to make that money. Part of it is, I think – I mean, I think that is a place where Top Chef and, and the Food Network have broadened people's awareness of, you know, Vietnamese food and mm-hmm. Laotian food um, in ways that has been great mm-hmm. and, and valuable. It's just we don't have the, the um, critical mass, I yep. guess, to, to keep that going. Right. Um, the, the idea that we're going to open another food hall, like – Spitting distance from the first food hall. Right. Um, How's the first food hall doing? Um, is it? It's a good question. Yeah, you know, like I mean, right now, who can tell anything? About right. Is it not a great right? time to, to, um, to judge? But it, I mean, is so, that is that because that's the trendy thing? Right. That's what that's what the big cities are doing. So we need to have it in Charlotte, right? And I think that's certainly part of it. I think also a huge part of our um, dining scene is driven by young people with money mm-hmm. just like our apartment booms are driven by that that does not tend to be i remember when when johnson and wales was coming here people said oh my god this is great because this means we're going to have a great restaurant scene i was like uh, what what about line cooks do you not understand yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> like how that's and i remember Br- I, I think it was well i don't want to say who it was <laughs> a chef told me um you know what this means is that i'm going to have uh more option to pay less 
to people who want to work in my restaurant. Yep. And and he was not excited about that. He right. was just saying, here's here's a Here, fact. Yeah. And I think people in general thought, oh my God, we're going to have these young chefs come out and they're not opening here, honey. No. That is not where yeah. they're going to go. <laughs> That's right. That is not their first stop. And there yep. have been some. Yep. Um, but people have to want it more than they want it. Right. So you brought up an interesting point about um, about so the the dining public, right? And Charlotte, I think, as well as anywhere else right now, young people with money, young professionals, right? Um, the business scene in Charlotte's growing. There's a lot of people with some cash, you know, lots and yep. lots and lots of cash. Do you think? Okay, so they just get out of college and they get this great job and they have, you know, this this income and, and, and all that. But without the experience or the desire for the experience, right? Of like a of of a of a of an excellent dining experience, right? Where where emotions get, you know, swept into it and because I'm like, you know, that's me, right? Like I'm the romantic chef. I'm the one that's like, I'm out for the feeling. I want to make people happy through food. I want to give them an experience. Um, And that's what excites me. And like the money is like great or whatever, like the profit margins and all that's important. It's part of the science of what we do. Um, But the experience is what I'm after. And I'm concerned that the people that are, that are, our guests now more and more don't know what those experiences are like. They haven't experienced them before. Mm-hmm. They've never been touched through, um, you know, through a plate of food or they don't have a food memory right. to draw from like a well of food memories. where are like, right. Oh man, this is the thing I was looking for. Right. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of sad because I see, um, and I'm, I'm kind of going back to this whole like critique culture thing where yeah. it's like, you know, oh, it looks great. You know, trendy spot. It's a popularity contest. What about that? You know, emotional connection right. to the experience. Do well, you think that that's still out there? Do you think people are going to get there? What What are your thoughts to on me, that? To me, to me, a huge piece of that is the idea that you connect with people um, through their the food they grew up eating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the restaurant industry in general has not taken care of small mom and pop restaurants that are bringing the food they grew up with, no matter where they came from or where they grew up, to diners. We don't make it possible for them to survive. Mm-hmm. And I say we, meaning the dining public as well. Right. But but one of the things you, you mentioned wanting to talk about is, you know, is the government doing enough for that? You know, they're sure doing enough for big chain restaurants like Golden Corral. Yes, they are. Are they, are they helping these? No. Right. This, this is not happening. Yep. And, um, it, it, and and we'll talk about that. But, but before that gets away, I mean, I say burn it all down. Mm-hmm. Burn it all down <laughs> because it does not work this way. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who were at risk during the pandemic, who are at risk during the pandemic, um, and, and you all have done some, some yeoman's work on that. And, and there are a handful of places that are trying to fix this. I am with, have you, have you read Tunde Wai? I think it's W-E-Y. Mm. Um, he is Nigerian. He immigrated here from Nigeria. Um, he is the guy, you may have heard of him, who has done a lot of activism, T-U-N-D-E. Um, Brett Martin wrote about a, a piece about him for GQ. Um, and Helen Rosner from The New Yorker wrote about him. Um, he is the guy who did things like uh, served hot chicken in Nashville 
and charged. Uh, it was free for people of color and for white people it was a hundred dollars a piece. A thousand dollars for four pieces. And if you wanted to hold chicken, you had to sign over a deed to a piece of property. <laughs> because what he's trying to do is call attention to the disparity of the wealth gaps. Yep. Um, how we respect or disrespect people whose food we are co-opting. Yep. Um, and I think that's hard to fix from the inside. That's hard to fix when, when profit margin is on your radar at all. Yep. I think it's not hard to fix if emotion is what you care about. Right. Um, if emotion is what we care about, we make sure that little restaurant, Lang Van is actually a pretty good example where mm-hmm. people, where the community went, oh my God, you know, we need to take care of this place somehow. Yep. That one would hope the restaurant industry would think about restaurants like that because that is how you breed and bring up young people the way in the way that they should go. Right. You you let them share the food of their neighbors, their actual community neighbors. In Charlotte, we have ama- an amazing diversity of cuisine now that most people have never tried or, totally. or ventured into. And and that's for lots of good reasons. They're frightened about food. They don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um but those investments, rather than trying to fix it at the top end, I mean, I just don't think there's a way to fix it up there. I, I you agree. You know, rich young white people are not where we need to, like, and, and what they're able to spend right now is not the way to, I don't think, the way to truly, deeply, meaningfully fix how we think about food in this country and how we treat our restaurants in this country. What In what way do you think would would be most influential in fixing how we think about food. You know, like what, like, like where, where, where would the, where would the vision need to go in your opinion to, to help with that? Cause I mean, I know that, you know, we'll, we'll circle back to this. Maybe if you okay. decided to think about it, sure, sure. but, but you know, you mentioned, um, yeah, I love that that cultural work, right? That he's doing is it's amazing because it's it's you know it's shining a light on this kind of like part of the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think something that happened for us during the pandemic when all our restaurants were closed, Patrick, Alejandro, and myself, we all moved into a house together with our families mm-hmm. down on IOP because mm-hmm. nobody was vacationing. Right. So we got this like killer beach house thing. for nothing, That's right? What we did. And we, we got a year lease on it, oh, and we hunkered down. We did not do that. We, so we got a year lease on it, and we all moved into this house. Mm-hmm. And we said, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to survive this, mm-hmm. right? And so that, that was crazy in itself, doing that. We learned a lot about each other, a lot of respect for each other. I that, bet. That's great. Um, and, um, but we also got, you know, we were together all the time, so lots of ideas. Um, and, you know, Charleston opened a little bit earlier than Charlotte, so we had a reason to be there and yeah. kind of – figure out how we were going to navigate this. But one of the things that we realized through all this is that the way we were doing business before, like we, we had to lay off like all of our staff at one point, Mm -hmm. right? Which was heartbreaking for Mm us. Um, No boss ever wants to be responsible for taking away the livelihood of their people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that affected us like pretty personally. Then we started looking at like, like our line cooks and our prep cooks and all these guys who were making $12 an hour or whatever, which (laughs) to me, like I had not even realized because I was, 
I was a part of that, right? Sure. Like I was always underpaid. I was always undervalued. Absolutely. I, was, I would I would have worked for nothing to work for some of the people I worked for, right? Um, and so it just never but really. But you could a, do that. I could do it. So which is, again, what we're all trying to to you know break it down on privilege and what is privilege and what does that look mm -hmm. like and the ability to do things that other people don't have a prayer of ever being able to do that. Right. But I hear you, and I think I think restaurant. So so pick up where you were. Yeah. So so. So that kind of triggered something for us where we realized, yes. okay, so we, so we started doing some research on the livable wage and what is a living wage in the <laughs> U.S., right? And we're like, wow, I think the average for the country is like $25 an hour or something like that. I don't know about something my numbers. Which is way more than we were paying any of our back-of-the-house people. Yep. And so, you know, the idea that basically we employed our entire, my whole team as the chef, like my entire team is being paid under the poverty line uh, was like just mind blowing. Like I, I had no idea. Yes. Um, just because we were able to survive doesn't mean right. that it was a quality of life, right? And not sustainable. And not sustainable. As the pandemic will show, will will show us for years because right. a lot of people are not coming back to. This oh line no. Of work. I, th I think I think we've just scratched the surface I on right. how how this is going to pan out. Mm -hmm. um, so so that got us to thinking. Okay, we need to change what we're doing. And I think Pat got like inspired to and he's a, he's a brilliant guy so like he started like putting the pieces together and like how are we going to get there yeah. like we can't we can't reopen and do things the same way we were doing or we're perpetuating the problem right, right? it's that responsibility to the industry to yeah. find a better way yes. we don't have all the answers but we have some good ones and that's what stemmed that whole tip the kitchen thing and you know we raised you know for us we're like okay minimum wage in our company is 15 dollars an hour yeah. we're still not there yet we got to get them more. We got to find a way to get them, um, you know, and where our front of the house people are, are I mean, they're making 60 to $100,000 a year, depending on how good they are and how much they work. And our back of the house guys are making 22000 like, uh -huh. you know, can't get their school it's supplies for their kids. Super like super big problem. Right. And so that's where all this came from. And yes. so companies, restaurants, chefs, chefs need to get involved in this. They do. Um, because... People are obsessed with chefs. The star power right. yeah. can drive change. Right. It can. But but I'm I will say it needs to be more fundamental than, than that. It can't be, you know, five guys in Charlotte are gonna do the right thing and everybody else goes on. Right. We need healthcare mm -hmm. in this country. We need living wage in this country. And it's gotta be systemic and it's gotta be for everyone mm -hmm. to make this lifestyle and this choice of employment an actual viable choice and and you can't and I applaud your efforts and I applaud the efforts of others until we mandate that you cannot screw people over by paying them mm -hmm. six dollars an hour twelve dollars an hour fifteen dollars an hour where they can't live anywhere close to where they work where mm -hmm. they can't afford to have a car where they can't afford housing We've got to fix these housing and healthcare issues. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I mean, you can try to fix it from the inside. I think you know some of what um, this guy Tunde is doing is trying to create um, retail ways of dealing with this. So he's going to sell, and this this was a while ago, and I I didn't research to see if he's actually done it. He was going to sell a certain kind of salt and then plow the profits. Mm -hmm of that back into the community. He was New Orleans based at this time. Mm -hmm. um, 
we just need more fundamental change than that. I mean, yeah. that's great and it'll help. Right. But. Well, I think you're right. I think a lot of it is in, and part of why I said like chefs need to get involved because in the food industry, they're the ones that people look at because of Instagram, because of top chef and all that. Um, and people are obsessed with it. Like I can't, it, it it's, it's mind blowing to me. Like, you know, my girlfriend and I will be at the grocery store, right? <laughs> we're like doing the, we're doing the thing. And people will like, they'll recognize me and they'll be like, yeah, that's the chef from Top Chef. And they'll come over and they'll like be eyeballing our basket right. and like seeing what we're doing. I'm like, that's nerve wracking. I can't believe that people are, are like, they want to know what frozen well, pizza not, we eat. Yeah. You're not exactly under the radar though, Jamie. No, 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 you know, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not. Just, yeah, uh, I stick out. It's really, if you, if you want to be on the demo, you're going to have to work a little bit harder. Right. Yeah. Put on it's, disguises. But, but it is. I hear you on people are obsessed. I think, again, that is, you know, can you politically drive those people to support? Can, can you? Can you do the kind of activism that it will require? And I think you guys calling attention, I know Patrick calling attention to stuff, mm -hmm. that makes a difference. It yeah. makes a little bit of a difference. Can you pressure your peers? Can he pressure his peers? Can... Um, you know, can we be talking about this? Can you as a star be talking about this in other avenues so that people who are excited about Five Church start getting it? Just right. start, start talking to their friends and get about, some you know, momentum. Hey, you know what? We're not going to not, I'm, you know, can we get rid of tipping for God's sake? For God's sake, can we get rid of tipping? Um, What's the answer for that? That's a good charge people what it costs. And I hear you. I don't know. I hear Helen. you. And, <laughs> and the reality of, I mean, we can't, we don't want to pay for groceries what they actually cost. Right. So, so we so are not a country that cares about, that really cares about food. We care about um, performance. Yeah. And we care. And, and that's not Charlotte. You know, I'm not talking about Charlotte in that. I'm, I'm talking about the, the larger issues of what is, what do we really believe restaurants to be and we believe it to yeah. be theater and we treat it like theater right and so when the pandemic happened that all just went away and mm -hmm. it was the same for most people with restaurants it's just like nope that just all went away i am hopeful and and for me i'd like to kind of get back and labelle helene is a perfect example of this for me is like i want to get back to the restaurant at its like original function mm -hmm. right which was to restore people mm -hmm. right to take care of them to the you know like that that idea of a restaurant i don't want it to be theater i've done the theater part of it mm -hmm. it was fun mm -hmm. whatever but it's but it's not real cooking and there's no connection there it's just show mm -hmm. and um i think that the real value in restaurants as it relates to kind of our society as a whole is like we got to get back to that taking care of people aspect of it um you know but people need to they need to appreciate they that they need to want it yeah and do, you, do people want it? I think, you know, I don't know. I think I think they do. Um, I mean, we know that they want to take it's their hard, dogs and babies to breweries. Yeah, totally. They want that. Right. Right? But yeah. that is, I mean, I, I would argue that that is restorative for mm -hmm. people, that there is a sense yeah. of, I mean, I think that's probably the closest to that mindset. Mm-hmm that that demographic has mm -hmm. i need it's the to evolution of their I need to go and do that mm -hmm. um but how do you make good food a part of that you know the the hue and cry when prices chicken coop closed um 
I really wanted to ask everyone who was sobbing on Instagram, you know, when was the last time you were there? Yeah. Just, just as with any closure, right, I mean, right. the people who would call me crying about places that closed and I would say, and when were you there? Well, like two years ago, yeah. it was just for my birthday. And, right. You know, yeah. I mean, okay. Well, yeah. It's like, well, no you have to here. find a new spot. Right. <laughs> um, people, people need to realize what it's worth to them. And if it's not worth it to them, should we have it? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, this is the question with the arts as well. Totally. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. We need to earn it. Yep. We need to pay for it. We do. And my goal would be, my so, hope would be that restaurants would say, this is what we can do. Right. This is what it'll cost. So I think part of the issue that I have, I'm going to go back to the tipping thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is because... We're, we're like we're skipping around a lot of things that I think are important, and one of them is is you know is it important enough for, to people for them to spend their money on it, right? Absolutely. If we, I mean, I would argue that the restaurant experience is because I'm it's all that I do, sure. um, and it, and it, and it touches me on a daily basis whether I'm eating at a place or whether I'm per- cooking for somebody. It satisfies something for me mm-hmm. is why I do it. Right. Um, you know, I do it because I take care of people. Yeah, I get satisfaction through cooking for people and um, giving them an experience. Now, flip that. Is it valuable enough to somebody, the experience, to pay for it? How much are they willing to pay for it? And I think that's the tricky thing about the tip problem is if we get rid of tips then we, the owners, restaurant managers, owners, and, and chefs have to charge a lot more mm-hmm. um, to staff and to give them the experience that we want, that we think that they should have. Um, and I think then you end up costing people out of the experience. Now it's an experience only for... Okay, so let me ask you here. I, okay. I hear that. I hear that. But this is why that's bullshit. Okay. What you have right now is what people will pay for. Okay. What you have in this town, right? We can mm-hmm. agree on that. Economically, yep. what we have right now is what people will pay for. Are willing to pay for. So if you don't spend money on the lease to be uptown and you don't spend decor money, like where the priorities shift, mm-hmm. right? It's not that you can't afford to do exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. and have a much smaller clientele and mm-hmm. have a much smaller restaurant. It's that you choose, and this is not a bad thing, right? but you choose to have an upscale, uptown, and, and I hear you on the not fine dining, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to tar you with that, sure, that sure. word, but um, because, and I remember when y'all first opened, it was you know, super buzzy, really smart marketing, yeah. um, the place to be, and you got what you went for, mm-hmm. and you have what you're going for. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, if you don't, if you feel differently about that. <laughs> well, no, I think, well, I think, I think. It, it's not a, I don't think it's possible to take what you have and then sort of try to adjust it and keep everybody. Right. And keep all of it. Sure. Because I don't think that can happen. Mm-hmm. So what change do you want to make? And then what does that look like? And, and there are absolutely, I will give you all day long, people, people will freak out if you say we don't tip anymore and that steak's going to cost you $63. Totally. They 63. Will freak out. I, I'm saying <laughs> 93. I'm, I'm going with the downscale yeah. thing here. The downscale thing. Yeah. 
um, or well, what or what Supperland costs now. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Um, it's that we're caught up in what we have now. Right. Which is why I say burn it all down mm-hmm. because I don't know that we can get there from here. Right. And I think, you know, um, I think the change that we did do is that we added the tip the kitchen thing, mm-hmm. which will we think. Uh, I think, yeah, for us it will. Well, I mean, I mean, do you think, do you think customers will keep that going? That I think way? so. I think so. I will be so interested. I'm going to call you. I'm yeah. going to put in my phone. Call Jamie in yeah. 18 Ple- months. I mean, please do. I mean, yeah. we're, we are actively pushing. I believe in the current state of affairs, what we're able to do, because at the end of the day, like, let's be real. This is a business. Sure. You know, I'm an owner now. Absolutely. I'm not just a chef. Like, if I'm going to have great talent working for me and, you know, we need to be busy, and I also need to turn a profit because that's how I get paid. Absolutely. You know, I'm not. Absolutely. Know, yeah. I'm not. I'm, all of that it, it, is true. Right. And, and I so, give you all of that. Yeah. And so, so, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons that we really like this tip the kitchen model mm-hmm. is that we don't have to charge people more. We don't have to say, hey, our experience is too expensive for you. Right. You can't come here. All of my restaurants, regardless of which ones they are, are available to everyone. Okay. And not everyone, most people. Okay. Um, you can go to any of our restaurants and you can have an experience for $20 a person, which is moderate. Right. Um, or you can have a blowout extravaganza of a meal where you're spending $150 a person, depending on what you drink and what you order. Right. We have burgers on all of our menus. It's, it's attainable, I think. So we're not having to price that burger at $32 to be able to factor in tipping and all this, um, in a livable wage for our staff. Now we, we increased all of our minimum wages and we're asking our guests, right? That if they have an exceptional experience, I mean, it says it right on our menu. It mm-hmm. says, Hey, mm-hmm. if you have an experience where the food is exceptional and it's really special, we urge you to share with the kitchen, right? Your regular tip lines there. It's, yep. And then we explain, this is how it works. Nobody's asking you to tip the kitchen. We're yeah. just saying it's there for you. If, if you feel it's worthy. Right. Right? right. And I think that's the key is the choice. Right. right. We're giving people the choice to be involved and help. People love a choice. People right. love a choice. And I'm all about that. And I, I applaud this effort. Mm-hmm. Is it going to fix the industry? You I know, hope so. I, I, and I. <laughs> that might be wishful thinking, but I though, hope so. Jamie, I mean, well, it's not going right. to. Not just because it, it lets people not understand what things actually cost. Mm-hmm. that's job one. People don't understand what things actually cost. And they're so accustomed to being able to get things for less that that's exactly what they want to pay. And they think you're screwing them if you charge them more. Right. So that's, that's broken. That is broken. People think you can buy strawberries for $4 a pint (laughs) that taste good and you can't. Yeah. No, but you can can get strawberries. You can get strawberries (laughs) all year long. Yeah. That's broken. They don't taste good. That is broken about food. That is broken in America about what in the United States about what we believe about food. Mm -hmm. And that brokenness is not going to get fixed any other way than to start teaching people what things really cost. And I believe that we've got to also teach people what the people who are working in food service jobs actually cost. And what they cost to live a life is way the hell more than what what we're paying them. Right, totally. And if we continue to, to 
ask people out of the goodness of their hearts to tip. Mm -hmm. I mean, the reality is sometimes it's not the kitchen's fault if something is not exceptional. Right. Just as why should the wait staff, the, the server in the front, get the big tip if the steak was exceptional because somebody else, you know, I mean. Sure. It, that tipping leaves power in the hands of the people who already have all the power. Mm-hmm. And, and we got to get it out of their hands. Yeah, totally. So, and, and I think for a lot of people that that model just would be unacceptable. They would never want to do that. I mean, we've talked, I've talked, yeah. I've had animated conversations about, I love tipping. It's how I, yeah. you know, and there's a whole lot there <laughs> with people with, you want to talk about people with small lives that, yeah. that I'm going to take it out on you, yep. how my day was. Totally. Um, but I think there is a whole generation of people who is, who are ready to understand things in ways that they don't understand them now. I totally agree with and that. And it is, really important for us to start i mean we're way late mm-hmm. we're way late um and and i think that has a lot to do with you know i mean it's it's impossible to untangle systemic racism from all of this mm-hmm. it is systemic mm-hmm. that we think people are less than and these jobs are less than runners and bussers have less what right than people doing you know yeah it, it's it's unconscionable so it's interesting to think about what can you do to fix it and what, you know, what are the incremental steps? I think there are. And I think what you're doing. Yeah. Again, part I of applaud it. it. Not just because of what you've been able to do. And I've read Patrick has, has posted, I think. Yeah. Some of which oh, yeah. All of do, it. Which is he, he posts all of it. I think that is great for what you've been able to do. Greater, far greater for bringing it up in front of people, starting to bring it up in front of people. Right. Um, and that may be the most important part of it, right? It is like, absolutely I mean, the most important part of it. For us, I think, you know, obviously it's it's taking care of our our employees, right? right. The people that, like, that's where it stemmed from. We're right. like, these are our people, right? These are the people that rely on us and we've let them down, like, yes. by by not, you know, not being able yes. to handle this pandemic or whatever. Yes. But it's all and of then, us. It's everyone who's ever eaten at your restaurant right. also right. are complicit in... yes perpetuating this non-functional industry totally and and so that so that's it right so the first step is like let's let's start teach people yeah let's start the change and i think you know going to the you know i I think it's this is part of the the solution it may not be the solution it probably it probably won't be there's going to be iterations of this it's going to stem different conversations that will that hopefully will change things over time um but it's definitely evening the playing field for our employees in a way where you know the pride that i'm getting out of it is seeing that our dishwashers can buy a car like they don't need to take public transportation anymore they can now drop their kids off at school instead of having to put them on the bus like that's a huge thing like i'm like okay whether it's right for everybody or not it's working for us and that's what matters to me Right. Well, and I think every time you have a conversation or are open to having a conversation, so many of the people who are dining, the covet, the most coveted customers, the, those customers with the most disposable income, it's just never crossed a lot of these people's minds no. yeah. that somebody who's in the back can't get their kid 
Yep. So bring that's that up, a great bring point. it up all the time. Bring it up all the time. Yeah, we've had we've had a lot of people respond to um, either um, Pat's Twitter feed or one of our posts on social media because we're we're doing a lot of just like getting this out there, all right. the information and stuff. Right. People responding saying like, I didn't even realize that the tips weren't split already. Right. Like, right. like people don't even know how the tip thing works. They don't. Yeah. They it's, don't. So so I think there's a lot of work to be done on this and to there figure is. it out. There is. Um, and and kudos to everyone talking about it. Yeah. It's, you know, Leah Louise, I think, instituted a 23%. Yep. Um, that's fantastic. And I people agree. need to also talk about, I mean, this this um, restaurant, what is it, the RRF, restaurant, the, the federal government's $28.6 billion. Oh, uh, relief. I mean, relief. Uh, yeah. Res, not resistance. Yeah. I wish it were resistance. Yeah. Um, the notion of, I mean, people read that headline and they read Charlotte Ledger this morning listed all the Charlotte restaurants that are getting money, um, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. All the Charlotte restaurants, comma, and other organizations, because it's not going to just restaurants. Right. Um, it's people need to see that where this money right. is going to is like we said before, there's not that there's anything wrong with that franchises that are franchisees of gold corral and franchisees of i mean it's not going to lang van and it's not yeah. going to little tiny places and and i worry so much that people think okay well that's done glad we fixed that little problem and, right. and it's billions of dollars i'm sure it'll be fine that that would barely even well yeah. i shouldn't do the math but yeah, but yeah. there's no way the money charlotte's getting helps yeah. You know, was it 66 places that got the money and we have 3,700 restaurants? I mean, right. That's such a small percentage of the whole. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I think a lot more needs to be done. And, and I the think only the only way to thing, do that is to make these jobs workable. Yeah. And, workable. I, you know, the Independent Restaurant Coalition, I think that was something that was started by Tom and um, a bunch of other restaurateurs mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and um, chefs at the start of the pandemic has done a great job of getting lobbies. I mean, yes. they've dumped a lot of money into it yes. to get people on the Hill to be yes. like, yo, you know, we're talking about millions and millions and millions of voting, <laughs> you know, yeah. Americans that are losing their asses on this thing yeah. and we need to put more money into it. Yeah. Um, so, so that's been super helpful. And I think, um, you know, we've been lucky. Um, not, I don't know about lucky, but I mean, you got PPP money, right? We, we did get PPP yeah. money. We got both rounds. I mean, Pat yeah. was, I mean, he was obsessed On with sure. like all over it. Sure. I mean, he had those forms filled out, sure. ready to hit send at the exact moment. Absolutely. Um, you know, and we had all of our team working on it. I mean, um, yeah, we, I mean, we put all of our resources into trying to secure whatever we sure. could get, you know, I mean, businesses, successful well, businesses had the resources to do that. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem saying like we would not have made it for sure. I mean, we were, when we were at that house in IOP, I mean, we were sitting around trying to, okay, what, what restaurant do we let go of first? How do we like, what's, how's the chips going to fall right. for us? And, um, and so, you know, if that hadn't happened, we would not still be open. So. So we're thankful for that. And, I, and we definitely know that a lot more needs to be, I mean, because yeah. it's going to continue. I mean, a lot of places have, are just reopening now, right? Yeah. Have they, they've secured their, their funds and, and waited it out long enough right. and now they're reopening. Well, you know, they need support. Like yes. they need people to go out to eat to them, spend their money. They need support from the government to like, whether it's, you know, tax credits or yeah. tax relief or whatever. Cause you know, pretty soon the government's gonna be like, pay up. Yeah. 
Well, For what? We haven't done any business exactly. in, in, you know. Well, and people need to be really, I mean, we talked about this before, that people need to be really intentional about where they're eating at this time yeah. and eat where you want it to be eaten in a couple years. Yep. Or it's not going to be there anymore. That's exactly right. In a way that's true now in, in a way that has always been true, but is a little bit truer now. I think it's, it's very true now. And the, the homogenization of restaurants in Charlotte I would argue is, I mean, we've got more, but I really worry about what we've lost mm -hmm. across the, the range of diversity and the range of um, those emotional eating experiences that you talked about as the yeah. pinnacle of what this business can be and yep. should be and what you hope for diners. Yep. We've lost so much yeah. and, and we just can't, we're hemorrhaging that. So, so I have yeah. hope. I have a lot of hope and I think, I, yeah. I do too. I think, I think, I think it's, I think it is turning. I think people's awareness is shifting to it. I hope, I hope that's right. You know, I, I unfortunately right. it took a lot of restaurant closures and people are like, Oh, my favorite spot is no longer around. My prices, my whatever, yeah. you know, even if they hadn't been to them to be yes. like, Oh, this is a real problem. This is, you know, I need to thing. wake up and, and, and I have zero tolerance for the, the owner saying, you know, I just can't get anybody to work. Well, Hey, how about paying them? Yep. Paying them is an idea. How about giving them benefits? Yeah. Uh, just no. Cannot hear that. Cannot hear it. Yep. So I, th I think there's lots of ways to go. I think if people, I think to your point before also about trying to figure out where to go without um, consistent criticism, um, I think there are ways to look for information about places and look for. Um, look at their social media feeds, look at their, um, you know, make some calls for God's sake. No one ever wants to call anywhere. <laughs> My husband and I for, for 30 years, I mean, we would find little, little hole in the wall places. Anthony Bourdain says, and that's a whole nother whole topic, but, um, <laughs> We'll do, another, that, we'll do right, another. We'll do episode. another episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he says you, you're never going to get great dining experiences unless you are constantly willing to have terrible ones. Right. And I think that is really true. And yep. and I have for years thought you know part of my job was to keep people from losing their money on a mm -hmm. bad experience. Like that was the highest goal. You know, I'd have a guy from Lincoln call me up and say, I have saved sixty dollars and I want to take my wife of 20 years out to dinner, where should I go? And it's like my highest yeah. function was to tell him somewhere really <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. I want you to have um, a great experience. Right? I want you to have it great. Yeah. And, and for all that money that you saved and the things you didn't have, I want you to have the great thing. Right. Um, the notion that people will look at a place and, and be worried about it or not try it, particularly if it's a cuisine they don't know, just walk in there Yeah. for decades we never had a single, in terms of welcome, a single bad experience. People are just excited to share their food with you. Right. Do that because that will inform and make your cooking better. The more wide open diners are who walk in the door of Five Church, the more fun yeah. you're able to have. Sure. Um, and unless they get that breadth, and they can get a lot of that here. Yep. But I'm willing to bet that a lot of more typical guests – um, just have not, as you said, haven't had that breadth and they right. can have a lot of it here, but they got to work a little harder than they're working now. Yeah. I hear you. They do. They need to do a little research. They got to look around and eat places. Yeah. You got to go out. You got to you just go. walk in, yeah. get takeout, do whatever it takes, mm -hmm. but try the, the, you know, Cuban sandwich you've never had or try the, 
we just have so much. Okay, so let's talk about some of your favorite places to eat <sighs> of all time. One, okay. I want to know your best restaurant experience in Charlotte. Two, I want to know I want to know what your go-to spots are. Like your top 3 Helen Schwab. I'm I'm I need something. I need some I need some food. This is the spot that I go to. This okay. is who I call for takeout. This is where I go. Um, it doesn't have to be special occasion. It can just be this is the thing that you crave. I can do some of that. Okay. I can do some of that. Okay. So this all this information is a year and change old because I am not going. <laughs> you haven't been out. Yeah. I have not going anywhere yet. Okay. We have gotten takeout. Took me a while to get takeout. We had a whole protocol at home. <laughs> yeah. My daughters are like, okay, we're going to do this the extreme way, aren't yeah. we? And I'm like, so yes, the, we are. The food are. has to go through quarantine oh, before I'm it comes into that. Oh, I'm telling you what, yeah. I cannot Remo even. Oh, yeah. We At did, the very we were, beginning, it yeah, was like yeah. some psychotic stuff We were stuff sanitizing happening. the bags. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We did like Instacart. I'm going to owe for the rest of my life. So places that I love and are consistent if I have to pick one thing at sushi, like at the end of every day, mm -hmm. it's always, if there's one thing that always sounds good. And okay. And, what, and what, what about, what about sushi? Is it tuna, salmon? Yes. All, all of it. All of it. All any, of any it. raw fish? Well, pretty much. I'm trying to think if there's something I don't like. I can't think of anything. Okay. I don't like. Okay. And so we'll sushi has like a, just a whole. Just as a yeah. whole. And I think it's just the. Just the purity of it, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's always been the refreshing go-to for me. Yeah. That's just, just always clean. It makes everything better. Just my, <laughs> nice. Everything is better. <laughs> yeah. Now. Okay. So the next one is, um, well, I want to know your 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 top experience of all time. Yeah. Okay. In and it can be, and it doesn't have to be Charlotte. It can be anywhere. It could be a trip. It could be whatever. But that leads me into another question, which is, you know, how how has your experience as the restaurant critic mm -hmm. affected your ability to have a genuine like oh that's a great question culinary experience that's a great question so probably best all time for our 20th wedding anniversary we were in paris and a friend had given us this little tiny place uh called astier and it was just the single perfect dinner and I don't even remember everything we had tuna with olives was one thing and the thing that stuck out we had both kids with us and they were probably oh I can't do the math um younger they were younger <laughs> much younger than they're older than that now um they brought out the cheese plate which was you know a three foot round of cheeses and they just set it on your table for about 20 minutes and you helped yourself and then they took it to the next table and my girls were that does were, not happen anymore well <laughs> and what my girl said even then this would never happen in america oh no <laughs> like, oh no no ma'am yeah certainly not it <laughs> yeah was glorious it was what glorious kind what kind of restaurant every, was it little french like just like bistro like little bistro neighborhood only show. people speaking limping french and it was glorious just awesome. beautiful and although i i mean heresy here i prefer italy to france if i'm traveling mm -hmm. and in general over the food scene i would i would lean toward italy we were in parma two years ago and um and that's right up there parma was right up there just so both European. <laughs> what yeah. about what about what about what about Italian? Is is your preference? Because um, I think that might be a preference for me too. Actually, now that I you say it, I think that it is slightly more 
um, vibrant to me, more earthy, which is not to say there's not an abundance of French food that hits those notes, but I think Italy overall, and, and we've been in a lot of different places, there's just a, we bought, there was a food, the equivalent of a food truck, a food boat up in the, um, uh, this little tiny town called Camoli, and they would bring in the hall and fry it on the boat and hand it to you with a glass of white wine for eight euro. Yeah. And it was a cone. It was <laughs> oh my God. I weep to think of it now. Um, food truck prices, it was astonishing. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think it is that um, there is a, a generosity in the food mm-hmm. that I find really um, attractive. I have one experience. So I went to France when I was a young cook, when I was working mm-hmm. in New York. I think I was, right? I was, no, at this point I was working at Le Cirque. I was at Le Cirque 2000, um, in the palace hotel. And I went to France for a week. Mm-hmm. I spent like three days in Paris, like a couple days, um, in the South of France on yep. the coast. Gotta do it. And I like rented a scooter and scooted over the border in yes. Italy and went to this little town. I think the town was called Ventimia or something. It's like this tiny little town. Yeah. yeah. And I went to the market. On the coast? Yeah, on the coast. Yeah, so I was actually staying in like a a French um, uh, exchange Mm -hmm. teacher's condo. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, Yeah. and so I I had like this little condo, so I went to the market in Mm -hmm. Italy Mm -hmm. to get some provisions. Mm -hmm. And we went to the market, and like it was this big kind of like, you know, sheet metal hanger yes you could see the the water from it there was another little sheet metal building where the fish was and we walked through and it was literally the townspeople like all the grandmas and ladies and guys like bring their stuff down from their gardens and sell it at the market and trade and do all this stuff and i was like never seen anything like that before i was like whoa i was like this is (laughs) intense i'm never leaving yeah i was like i have like found home (laughs) you know and like the guy was there making mozzarella and there was a pasta dude there and i was like this is incredible like the (laughs) like just the eggplants were out of control anyway so we bought all this stuff went over to the fish market and the fish is like they're literally dragging the nets up from the boats emptying it out onto this ice and people are just picking out what they want they, they kill it right there, fillet it, throw it in a piece of paper, there you hand go. it to you, and you're like, here you go. I was like, this is remarkable. Yes. So um, so I have an affinity That's for for Italian. Yeah, I yes. was like, Italian, like I need to like dive into this. I think that might be why I followed Andrew Carmelini everywhere. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Yes. I was like, this is incredible. Yes. So um, I could see how yes. like that, that touched me in a way. We do not have that here. No. Although it is better. It's better. Like the market is, is better. The market scene is a lot better now. And I think when people say that, we, we a friend of mine took us to Ireland and I had the best strawberries of my life. What a bizarre thing to have an yeah, Ireland. Yeah, who would have thought? Tiny, tiny, and Were they like sweetest. wild, like little wild strawberries? They or? weren't the little wild ones. We had those in, uh, in Italy somewhere and I don't like those, which is... I feel terrible about not liking them. There's something wrong. But I think the notion of having things in season is something that most diners are just not familiar with because yep. we don't we, have yeah, any be... self-control. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a whole nother yeah. Instant gratification. Thing for, I want yeah. it. I want it now. I want it of, huge. Yeah. I want that big, you know, strawberry that tastes like anything. Um, <laughs> and I think that is a piece of how 
people will start being willing to pay for what food is actually worth. Right. What, the what quality. Yeah. And I think for most people, they just haven't had, you know, most of us have not had it. I yep. certainly didn't have it until I was way older. Um, any of that. Exp- I don't think I had fresh food until I was in my 20s. Right. <laughs> like, seriously, like, was not like I was I was I was already committed to cooking before I like had Knew really, really fresh food. And like, I don't think committed? I had an heirloom tomato until I worked at Le Cirque in New York. Yeah. Like I had like I was in what culinary you, school. What made you go to culinary school? Then? Well, because so I started as um as a dishwasher. Yeah. And I fell in love with like the high octane, yes. like crazy kitchen life. Oh, as yes. a young person, I was like, this is amazing. You know, yes. like people were doing drugs, like all that, yes. like kitchen confidential shit like Huge. that. I was part of all that whole scene. Yep. And um, nothing like it. Yeah. And I, so I fell in love with the kitchen culture first. Yes. And then um, like in my early 20s, the chef I was working for, like really started to push me. He's like, you have a talent for this. Like you're good at cooking. Mm-hmm. Like you may not know what the hell you're doing. And right. you're kind of a wild person. <laughs> but like, but you, but you have the but skills. You've yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got the skills. And if you commit to it, you could be great. And I was like, all right whatever like enough of that pushing and i was like well i gotta do something like right. i can't be a dishwasher forever i can't right. be a... so um so i so i he he kind of urged me to go to culinary yeah. school and then it was like That's yeah as i started like i just realized i didn't know anything i was like right. wow i don't know anything about the world i don't know anything about cooking i don't know anything about anything right and so i started to really explore through food and that's like where and what you just said is something that most people don't or often don't you know just coming to the realization that you don't know anything about anything yeah. is a place that we are not very comfortable getting right. to. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So and, that you know, is and, an epiphany. That's... And, and I've gotten like, I'm more that now yes. than I ever was. Yes. Then. Like I, I've realized yes. now. And I, and I think something that's super important and I like to explore this some more with people is um, food to me, like exploring the world through food is such a magical thing because it's the same language wherever yes. you go, right? Yes. Like the techniques vary a little bit, but yeah. it's all basically the same. I could go to anywhere in the world yeah. and do what I do and yes. connect with people. Yes. Um, I don't have to know the language. I don't have to. I have to understand the techniques of cooking and exactly. how to feed people. Exactly. Um, and I think that is a that can be a door opener for people to kind of like have some acceptance explore in a safe way yes you know you don't have to fly to italy to have the experience exactly necessarily like you can go to the matthews farmer's market and get amazing ingredients exactly. and apply it and and, sh- and have the similar experience here yes um well and so. and when people are i mean there's i can't think of a single other field where in which cultural field in which people are so wanting you to love what they do and right. are so generous with you, mm-hmm. generous with people who don't know. Right. Now we can quickly talk to about cultural appropriation in cooking and mm-hmm. what happens in restaurants when somebody travels, you know, for years in Japan and then comes home and opens a Japanese restaurant in yeah. Japan and is making money hand over fist. And that is problematic for sure. But the notion of exploring in a safe space, I think culturally not only gets people excited about food. I mean, Jonathan Gold, the great LA. I was going to bring him up when we were talking about the critics. I was like, so here was someone who broke the mold, right? The best hands down in every way to me. And what he believed was I'm introducing my neighbors to each other. And that to me was, was that was the goal in restaurant criticism. It is, 
help people see. 2009, we did something, and it's not still up, which breaks my heart. We did a uh, across Charlotte in 45 plates, and it was 45 different cuisines in Charlotte in 2009. Wow. With video of the owner or the chef or whoever was running, kitchen managers, lots of them had, um, with a signature dish. And for people to be able to watch the video, to watch someone talk about, this is peri-peri chicken. And it's okay. You'll be okay. Yeah. Look, it's, it's just, just chicken. It's just food. <laughs> it's just, it's just food. food. Like, give it a and try. Like, I know it sounds yeah. weird, but yeah. it's really okay. Yeah. I think that did so much for people being then willing. And I got so many calls about people said, you know, I've driven past that place a million times. And I thought maybe there was Mama G's, and I'm not sure if it's still open. And they had something called Kelewele, which is um, this beautiful... Um, well, anyway, I digress. The, <laughs> the, the notion of seeing the food and then feeling like, okay, so I've seen that woman's face, so I'm going to walk in there and I'm probably going to be okay. Yeah. Um, that's right. what we just need. We need more of that. Lots and lots of that. And that is what Gold did with, I mean, poetry on top. Yep. But the yeah, notion yeah, he was of amazing wordsmith like his writing was awesome beautiful writing and, and also a musician which of course he was right, right? I mean, yeah of course wearing a hat like that you have to be a musician <laughs> but i would say like like that is why i think we need restaurant critics right that's why we need that because function that function of like i mean so Jonathan never wrote, I think, anything negative about like he like that wasn't like that was part of his thing was like, I'm not out here to like if Where I have a, if I have a bad experience, I don't talk about it. That's how or, I handle or that. He, yeah. Or right? he couches it in. Um, yes, he was careful about that versus, you know, Brit critics are kind of the, the poster children for. Um, stamping their feet and, and trying and, and being, I mean, they're funny as hell, right? I mean, there <laughs> right, were yeah. years where I thought, I just want to go and work for Creative Loafing or what yeah. used to be not not Creative Loafing now, what yeah. is now QC Nerf, yeah. um, and, and be hilarious and swear all the time and just be really horrible. Right. Um, because that is entertaining for sure. But it's not the way to bring along a food culture and it's mm-hmm. not the way to help diners um, treat people better and explore more. There's nothing helpful about that. It is entertaining to read, and and you can teach people some things, but there's nothing wholesome about, no. and there's nothing that yeah. advances or elevates people's expectations or explains chefs back and forth. And mm-hmm. I, it, it's I frustrating think... to see people be take cheap shots. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty early on, I had written a, a review about a place that that was not executing very well, and it was it was a pretty small place, and I did not I was not mean about it, um, but said you know this this came out badly, but there were some other things that were great, and but it was it it definitely wasn't good, and the owner called me and talked about a child who helped in the restaurant, who was dealing with some severe emotional issues and how a negative review impacted their family so deeply. The child was also impacted. All of which is not to say that you should never write anything negative, but you gotta know every time you put fingers to keys, yep. these are people's lives. Yep. And so the, the Yelp cheap shots, I am not here for that. <laughs> yeah. and, and it is in no way helpful. I totally agree with that. And people are so fast to fire those things off too. Like in this 
recurring oh, on, on one visit. Also. Yeah, yeah. They like, like no one can have. I mean, there was another place where the the chef had had a heart attack in the afternoon, and so he wasn't there, and the kitchen scrambled. Yeah. Tiny, tiny place, and. You know, I could have gone one time and written about it just was terrible. So let me ask you this. A reliable that, critic goes more than once. Right. And that's that's a good point. So when you were doing your reviews, mm-hmm. like when you were reviewing Five Church, for instance. Let's just say. <laughs> let's just say. Let's just pull a place, a place yeah, out yeah. of the air. I'm kidding. But um, would you, did you consider that when, when you were doing your reviews, when you approached it, was it, was it a checklist? Hey, how is, how does it feel when I walk in? How, how do they greet me? Or when you were doing it, were you taking the experience, your actual like, you know, what's going on? What could be, you know, was that part of your... Much more of that. So to yeah. me, it was always, I had a, a violent argument with a Boston restaurant critic once um, who said there, there is no such thing as a five-star pizza place. And I said, well, that's just bullshit. Of course there are five-star pizza places. Totally, there so is. So it is... I disagree. To me... <laughs> it absolutely is. What is the restaurant setting out to do? Mm-hmm. What is it leading you to expect in its appearance, in its marketing, in its everything? What is it leading you to expect and how does it fulfill those expectations? So to me, it's all about the, what are you trying to do here and how well are, does are that you executing through, that? Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there are certainly checklist things. Um, it, it, again, I mean, responsible criticism um, looks at what the place is trying to do. It looks at execution. It considers the possible things that have gone wrong so that a second visit is always required. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting in the car in front of a place that I had, that we had gone that was disastrously horrific. <laughs> and my children both started to cry and said, we don't want to go back in there. <laughs> said, Get out of the car. It could be great this time. <laughs> yeah. And the day you don't think it could be great this time, you need to hang up the fork because you need to always go in thinking, this could be great. Right. This could be wonderful. You look for what what does this place's biggest fan love about it? Mm-hmm. What is the thing that right. brings those people back? Because that is a segment of your readership, that right. the people that will love that thing, find that thing, right. and be sure you mention it. Right. Um, always go more than once. Always pay for everything, no matter what. Always don't let them know who you are. Always, which is not to say I was never recognized, but hardly ever. Um, once or twice in you are super elusive years. you're yeah, hard to you're I mean, hard to figure the out point, right did um, you ever do disguises and stuff no no like hats no, and like have, i did have a credit card in my dog's name so i did i read that somewhere yeah. i think oh yeah. kia kia did yeah. a story and yeah she yeah. mentioned that charlie yes charlie <laughs> and i just i looked at that the other day and i thought i should have specified that i did not spell the dog's name like that yeah i mean that was the yeah. breeder problem that was i would never have done it. um you know, you, you think about what um, what the likely clientele is for this place mm-hmm. and what would they want. You think about does it work for, not does it work, you know, because who cares if I think it works? Right. What can I say about it that is descriptive enough for you to decide mm-hmm. what you would think about it? That is the service. Yeah. It is not art criticism. It is not, right. although... Although I think I would argue that that many art critics, the best art critics, let you know what you would think. They mm-hmm. write in a way that is evocative and that you can think, I really want to see that because of this interesting thing. And that was the goal with, um, and I think is the continuing goal for for restaurant criticism. I, I love an entertaining um 
kind of you know gimmicky kind of thing every once in a while like sure. wells will occasionally gimmick it up <laughs> yeah um, but i think much more i value when he is telling me things that are um letting me know i can't wait to go to this place mm-hmm. or i will not darken that door thank you very much right and that's that's the goal and i don't see that yeah um i used to that when my girls were in middle school, they'd had a, a career day and I would go and talk to them. And, and part of what we would talk about is, um, and I think Hannah um, Raskin wrote a uh, How to Be a Yelp Critic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in Charleston. Um, I, I'm familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can talk about that. Yeah. Um, that talked about, you know, be descriptive. If you're talking about French fries, don't say they're amazing. Say what, are they thin, skinny, you know, really crisp, salty? T- use, use your words, children. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to say to yeah. all the people on. on yeah. You know, T- tell us why. You know, yeah. Like what, what, me... what about it? So amazing. Yes. Explain that. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, because I'll tell you right now, my girl likes soggy fries. Yes. <laughs> I don't like soggy fries. Yes. I am a crispy fry guy. Well, so, and, and with this so, so what, where's the why? Like, give me the why. Exactly. Like, oh, if, if you're like, these fries are amazing because they're super soggy and they absorb all yes. the whatever, I'm going to be duck like, fat, baby. Duck good, fat. good yes. for you. Yes. I'm going to go with the crispies. Exactly. You know I mean? And I will say, and you've saved me $8 for the plate right. of the table, you know? Right. And yes. That is the whole, <laughs> the whole point. Yeah. You, I hate the I ruin you ruin my day thing. Like I I keep going back to that because we see it all the time. Like, oh, it's it's, you know blasphemy what they do. It's like what? It's a it's food. Yeah. There's no blasphemy here. Like, (laughs) we're a restaurant. Well, and (laughs) and just the notion that um, you are putting your uh, mental health in the hands of someone who (laughs) might have taken your fries out of the fryer too soon (laughs) is just problematic i think the other thing that is really crucial on criticism i mean we talked about how people will will not um specify when they're being paid i love when people say um you know i just write about the places i like so yeah i'm paid but i really like it so right yeah you you still need to tell us he got paid right and if you are a responsible critic you are beholden to no one you have fu liberty and yep. that is a thing that is really difficult, you know, with a subscription service yep. that can't sustain itself. You are beholden right. to people. Yep. If you're trying to break news, and I did this, news always came second to reviewing. Mm-hmm. Because if I piss somebody off, you're not going to call me and tell me you're about your new <laughs> menu coming yeah, out for right, me because yeah. Jamie's pissed at me because I didn't like the thing. So, right. And, and that was fine yeah. because the reviewing took precedence. Mm-hmm. And if they hated me for the rest, I mean, there was a place that banned me, which I found really entertaining afterward because I thought, how exactly would that work? How did you get you banned? you don't know what I look like. Yeah. How or... did you, why did you get banned? I know uh, Hannah's been banned a few times um, and we actually considered it. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, well, we can talk about the why. Uh, we, we've, a- we've actually let it go yes. <laughs> since then. But... Um, but anyways, how did, how yeah. did that happen for you? Um, I'm curious. I went for a first bite to a place that is still in existence. 
And first bite was what I would call, if I went in the first three months, it was not a full review, but people right. were talking about a place and they right. were asking questions about it. So what do they have? And what was the couple sentence? And we always noted, this is first bite. It's one visit. Yeah, it's this, is not, my re- this is not my review. This right. is a little And they're taste. still working the kinks out, even though one could argue, well, charge half price then if you're <laughs> yeah. working the kinks yeah. out. You know, like that was a thing for yeah. me. Like, well. Yeah. Um, if you're open, and you're was, open. You're open, you're open. Yeah. And you're charging full price. Right. This is not friends and family. Mm-hmm. So um, but this place was a disaster. And, well, you know, we'll have your food right out 45 minutes later. Um, you know, there's some issues. We're going to get it out. I'm like, just tell me it's 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 okay. Uh, yeah. Just tell me what's going on. No, no, no. We'll yeah. have it right out. We'll have it right out. Tacos come out. The cheese is melted. I mean, I can't even remember. It was just disastrous it wasn't one of my places was no. it <laughs> no no and and responsible criticism yeah. you always call yeah and you tell people i've got a review or i've got a piece coming out mm-hmm. um had a couple questions for you so they know yeah because back in the day places would get swamped right. sometimes oh and, yeah and i worried review, about getting yeah. A couple places closed because I had people like I we had no idea and people are really pissed because we're sold out of everything and I'm right like, so, we didn't prepare and for the right so we would I would always always call and talk to somebody yeah you always call and and I see now where people will write about places but they didn't call and talk to anybody so it's like this tastes like canned well did you ask them if it is canned did you yeah. see a can you can say yeah. it tastes like canned don't tell me it was canned unless yeah. you know unless you know fact. oh I've confirmed I mean just all of yeah those kinds of things mm-hmm. um, but I called and said you know this I had a couple questions here and how did it go well you know it was it was it was pretty rough yeah yeah it was kind of rough <laughs> The best places always asked how it went. The worst places often did not ask. Yeah. And I'm pretty convinced they knew. Yeah. What the like, was. oh. But I ran <laughs> it, and uh, he called and just lost his mind. You're banned. I'm like, okay. Okay. Well. Just, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, I'm just going to go in tomorrow night because I can, because he doesn't know who I am. You can't R- ban me. You can't ban me. me. Like, like, how will you know? No, re- no yeah. way to do it. Yeah. I, in the early days, I, I, was, I was trying to think back. I remember when we first opened Five Church and we were preparing for your review. You know, we had been open for a few months, I think like three months or so. And I was, DNC, right around yeah, the Yeah, I was about the DNC. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Five Church, to me, that was our shot. And I think Patrick felt the same way. I'll speak for him on that. I was like, mm-hmm. this was our first ownership gig. Mm-hmm. Like, we had a lot to prove. Now you were coming from table, right? You had been yeah, no, no, I had been working with um, Bruce at Barrington's. Okay, that's so, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so I went that's from right. t- I was at Blue and Table, right, and you. then went to Barrington's for about three years with Bruce. That's right. Before and, and then then I did came Five Church, and then did Nan and Byron's, right? For yep. a hot minute, yep. and then okay, yep. I remember. Yep, that was the the lineage there. But um, okay, so so we opened Five Church, and we were like, you know. I mean, we came out, we, we had a pretty big media machine. Like, we were like, we're going to change oh, the face of every, Yeah, yeah. We were, we, we, were, we were all about it. Yes. And so, you know, so we knew we knew that, A, we would be a target for, for criticism. We knew that you were going to come and give us a review. And, you know, I wanted it to be a good review. <laughs> Coming from my, my lineage in New York, you know, sure. like where the food critic oh, is, that is, the, that is the thing. So I was very like, okay, everything's got to be perfect. I need to know what she's here. We need to know like, you know, all this stuff. And of course, we I think we knew maybe by the... Did you come three times for us or twice? I think I did. Because I think, the, I think the last time we knew you were there. Really? Yeah, I think That's so. That's disturbing. 
Yeah, I think I think we did because somebody said, "Hey, I think I think Helen's here," and I think I did a round in the kitchen. And I feel like I recognized your table, not you, mm. but somebody who you were with. Mm-hmm. I was like, "I know that person. That's got to be her." Okay, you know, like That's it awesome. wasn't it wasn't you. It was the person you were dining okay. with that I recognized. Okay. Anyways, remind and, me to tell you a story about that, but keep uh, going. Okay. So so anyway, so um, so we were anxiously await. Like we were like, okay, everything's got to be perfect, and you gave us a good review. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't an excellent review, but it was a good review. Like, it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. But I had a huge ego and a lot to prove and all this stuff, right? Like, I just everyone does. Yeah, and um, and and you know, nowadays, like you know, we're like six restaurants deep now. Had a couple close, like open and close. Sure. Like we've been through a lot more experiences where sure. I don't really care. Yeah. About the reviews, the way that I did, and it doesn't matter as much now. Yeah. So I mean, it just doesn't matter as much. How do you feel about that? Do you think do you think there's a demand for a fruit critic? Or, well, and, and you had asked that before, critic? and I think that's a great question. I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think I think if there were, somebody would have been able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Was it a matter of business? Expensive. Was it expensive? Well, so so I think newspapers would have done it. Um, were newspapers, newspaper companies, in the shape they were in, I think it would have gone on in perpetuity. The mm-hmm. problem is that people think, people who are unfamiliar with the newspaper business believe, well, that subscriber, you know, subscribers wanted restaurant reviews, they read them, so couldn't you just ask subscribers to pay you to, to write restaurant reviews? But advertisers funded what newspapers did. Right. They didn't, they didn't choose any of it, but that's where the money came from. Subscriptions right. were never the driving dollars. Right. So it doesn't translate. And right. I remember, do you know the Avett brothers? Mm-hmm. So Joe Kwan is a big food guy, the cello player. Yeah, yeah. And I wrote a story about him and he and I would would talk every once in a while and he said, I'm think I'm writing this food blog. And so he have you ever seen his food blog? Mm-mm. He writes about no, places check it they out. go on tour. Oh, I don't cool. know if he's still doing it, but he said, I've been thinking about monetizing it and what do you think and I said so here's the thing if you take ad money your credibility is at risk yeah and you can absolutely tell people I'm not gonna you know take any direction from you and that can be absolutely true the appearance of credibility or a lack thereof the appearance of a conflict of interest hurts with some people not with everybody but it hurts with some people and you just you just need to know that yep in the newspaper are you ready for business. that? Are you yeah. ready yeah. for that? Um, you know, will it hurt your feelings? Will you mm-hmm. feel like you can't write about certain places? Because what happens typically is the places that want to advertise have something to do with the food industry, you know? Right. Um, what the newspaper was able to protect me and other critics from was any conflict of interest. Right. There, I was beholden to no one. Right. And that just doesn't exist anymore. Mm. I mean, they're doing events with chefs, so yeah. we write criticism, but also, yeah, they do know who we are. Yeah. And, and you know, Jonathan Gold was visible, and people knew who oh, yeah. he was, and he finally gave up the ruse of, mm-hmm. of staying in the background. But I would argue that there is no substitute for not having someone know who you are. Sure. So the, the quick story was I got a call from, do you remember the Bayou Kitchen? Or was oh, that yeah. Bayou? Mm-hmm. So Winston, who, who owned that, called yep. me and said, okay, were you in here last night? <laughs> and I said, no. And she said, you weren't? 
And I said, no. And she said, because there was this woman who was really drunk, and we had to escort her out because also she didn't fit the dress code. And a guy at another booth said, uh-oh, you know who that was? <laughs> that was Helen Schwab. Yeah. And I had a multiple calls of people going, so there was a woman falling down drunk at our bar last night, and the, the guy said, that's my wife. You know who she is, right? It's Helen Schwab. Uh, so yeah. people were yeah. moving around getting meals comped. Wow. I mean, at one point I wrote something that said, it's never going to be me if somebody says that it's me. Yeah. And also don't comp anybody <laughs> yeah, yeah. If who they says think that it's that me. It's me. I mean, I don't, it was just yeah. absurd. So I think right. often people thought they knew who I was. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what happened with you. Oh, but, no, I don't but know. But I think sometimes that happened. I think yeah. the... The notion that, well, there's nothing they can do about, oh, my God, honey, there's a million <laughs> things you can do about it, right? right. I mean, yeah. you know better than oh, yeah. There's a million things, including running out and getting stuff, which mm-hmm. I had happen. Yeah. It's like, oh, we, yes, that is just going to take a couple minutes when <laughs> yeah. you see somebody leaving. Yeah, you're I mean, like, oh, here on. we go. It comes back with, the, with uh-huh. the grocery bag. Uh-huh. Harris <laughs> Teeter bag. Yeah, that's Harris awesome. Teeter bag. That's great. So do people want it is the question. And yeah. I think... I think people are happy to have it. I think it is. It would be prohibitively expensive to do it the way it was that we done. used to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And the appearance, the the conflict of interest or appearance of conflict of interest is so profound for me because I know the pressures that people, you know, you're doing an event with a guy and you're writing about his place. Yeah, you're just not going to get gonna not pull the punch. You yeah. are. You, yep. you can't afford not to. Right. Um, so I can't, you know, yeah. they don't matter to me because it, it can't, it just can't work for me. So I, I think, I think you could do it um, for a select group of people. Um, could you do it with the frequency you'd want? I mean, the budget that we had was significant yeah. and it let me go to places when they first opened. It let me decide not to write about a place. If okay. I went. Okay. And something. How often did that horrific. happen? That did not happen often. And it never happened with somewhere corporate because mm-hmm. if it didn't go well, it didn't go well. Right. But if it was a tiny place, um, getting its feet under it and clearly something really disastrous had happened, I would consider it. Yeah. I think it maybe happened two or three times in decades. Oh, wow. That's not I a mean, whole lot. I mean, it was not yeah. a routine thing. Because I was not, I also don't think you only choose to write about places that you can embrace wholeheartedly, which which pissed people off in my case because it, it meant you ended up with some, you know, well, this was this was pretty good, but this was not very good because that's the reality of most places. Right. This is pretty good and this was not very good. Yeah. They're not all one and four stars. Yep. Um, but people would prefer that. Right. They like to get a place ripped or they like it to be perfect. Right. And not much in the middle. Yep. Yeah. So what do you, um, I'm going to go back to the question I asked you before. What did I ask you <laughs> about the demand? Oh, oh, oh about, demand? about your experience. So I want to know about your dining how experiences now. Like how is it, how has that experience is, you know, how many restaurants have you dined in as a critic? Like thousands, right? That's a great question. I actually did the math once, but I have no recollection of what the Can you ballpark it? It was, well, I mean, I. uh, I mean, you're talking about 30 years, right? Yeah. I mean, it'd be thousands probably because I And that's just here. That doesn't include. Right. And I never, 
I mean, once I reviewed, I hardly ever went back, which was the single saddest thing about the job because you couldn't and I blow would your tell cover. People, you couldn't blow your cover. You couldn't blow your cover. And in my real life, I want five restaurants that I go to. Yeah. That's all. I don't and know. I need to know what I those don't. are, by the way. I don't know. No. <laughs> I need to know what <laughs> those no. are. No, 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 no. And I won't be able to get in. Yeah. Um, the notion of, uh, you know, jumping all over the place. How do you, you're not supporting a place then. You're not loving on a place the way right. the community needs you to mm-hmm. if you want those to survive. Um, it hasn't changed. I mean, I think I have my, I, I have little patience for places that are doing basic things badly. I have like what, for instance, uh, what 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 is a basic thing that that somebody does badly? Because I totally know where you're coming from, and I absolutely yeah, agree. I mean, I, I think um, I'm also I I, I think I, over I think I think. Um, What's the word? Overreaching on menu writing is just really exhausting to me. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. no, no, stop with this. Yeah. And are, are you I writing haikus these, or are you writing a menu yes. description? And <laughs> I enjoy jargon and I know a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's obnoxious yeah. because most people don't. Yeah. And then you're just you're you're um, chopping the legs off of people who right. need your help. They yeah. don't need to be shamed. Right. Because they be don't know these like words or whatever. Plus they're not going to order it if right. they have to ask. And most of them won't ask. Yep. So you're just screwing it up for everybody when yep. you do that. That's really frustrating yeah. to me. And it, and it says something about a chef and an operation, I think, if they feel the need to do that. I think lists of ingredients with no... Um, sense of how the dish is put together at all mm-hmm. just six ingredients well so help me here like is it <laughs> mostly one of these things are they even is it cooked is it raw yeah. i don't need i don't want 14 sentences right um just a clue just to give me a clue just give me like, a sense of what it is so that yeah i, I have i an, know whether right i want that because the, many the, of these the things anticipation sound great. in an experience is such is, a huge and it only works if you have an idea or like, right. you know, you have an idea of what's coming, right? right? Like if you're, if you're just clueless, it's like, all right, we're just okay, winging it. Knows, right? Yeah, we'll see. Yes. You don't you know, get so you gotta pleasure. give them like a little crumb to say, yes. Hey, this is where we're going with yes. it. And then, yes. Or, and, and yeah. I will say, I think a lot of people despise the word deconstructed, but I like the word deconstructed because that gives me a hint of, it's not going to be what I think it's going to be. Right. It's just, but who knows? Yeah. Like that's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a little frisson there. Right. Um, I think I have zero patience for places that do not greet people when they walk in the door. And I am perennially amazed at how many places do not acknowledge your presence when you walk in. (laughs) Just at all. Yeah, Patrick. That's what Patrick's like. I mean, if you want to send him into a fit of rage faster than anything in the world, don't have somebody at the host stand. Right. Right. When somebody comes in, it, he will like, it's just not rocket science. Yeah. That's just not hard right. to do. It's hospitality. On, you have to greet people when they show up. Exactly. Thank you for coming. Not even thank you for coming. Just hi. Welcome. Yes. Hi. Come on in. Welcome. Any, yeah. Literally yeah. anything. I don't yeah. care what yeah. it is. We acknowledge you're here. don't pretend like I'm not here. Yeah. That's my doctor's office. I can do that. Yeah. Myself. Right. <laughs> um, glassware that's not right in somewhere where I'm paying for that, okay. where the expectation is, is proper, the right glassware. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that just flies all over me. <laughs> I just, I 
because it tells me that you aspire to these things and you're charging me for them, but that is a very simple and meaningful thing that you are choosing not to do. Right. And don't cheap out on that. That is not the thing to cheap out on to me. Um, mm. So I think I'm better at, after all these years, at I think I typically have a pretty good sense of how it's going to go. When yeah. I, when, when, when you sit down go in when i i will always look at the website and i will always look at you do your you know, research previous stuff. i do not look at yelp i do not look at TripAdvisor. my husband loves TripAdvisor and will scour <laughs> that and i'm like no i just can't yeah, i can't I do just, it i can't i can't do you do, 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 do you do that uh, do you do that research on places that you're going just for you know just dinner you and your husband date night you do your research and you're like okay i don't i mean i don't get it down to um I know what I'm going to order. He will, he will often like these, these three things look really good. Let's go here. I will like something. If it's, if it's a decent place, I will like a number of things. Cause I like yeah, everything. Right. Um, so I'm never worried about figuring out whether I'll have something to eat. I often might, my Achilles heel is I will order something that sounds interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And typically, that is a thing that no one orders. And yeah. so, typically, the it's kitchen out. does not actually know how to do it. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's never either, out. It's never out. They're they just, never out. They're just not practiced. They just screwed up. Yeah. They just screwed up. And you can tell from the description that whoever wrote the menu or did menu development, this was really good. Yeah. But it's not going to be good. So, right. I am trying to wean myself from that <laughs> because it still could be the best thing I've ever had and clearly right. the best thing on the menu because clearly no one's buying this <laughs> right. and someone's in love with it yeah so there's got to be something like, about you it no you're not you know that's not going to be good <laughs> yeah. why are you ordering that i'm like it could be great yeah though. i gotta give it a shot yeah so and i have no qualms about having something terrible even now when i'm not i mean it used to be i didn't have any qualms about having something terrible because there would be a tiny bit of revenge and i'm gonna let three hundred thousand people know that this was terrible right um now i don't let anyone know, but it still doesn't bother me because good for you. Try stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. And, and, and clearly ideas that, that I don't like are much more palatable than poor execution. I have no, no tolerance for poor execution at all. I yeah. just can't. <laughs> I'm too old. To, <laughs> you've, you've had too no, many meals no. to put up with that. <laughs> we, we, had, we were doing a review once at a place in South Park and they came out with the appetizer, and it was late, and the, the server said, you know, the appetizer was late, so um, we're going to comp it for you. And I said, oh, well, that's, you know, whatever, and it was terrible. And I said, it's really it's, – she said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Let me take it away. And she said, your, your entree will be – and it wasn't. Entree was late, too. She goes, I'm going to comp that, too. And then she said, I'm going to bring you desserts. And then she never brought the desserts. And she came back to the table and said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm going to comp the whole meal. I'm just – I'm horrified. And this was the second, and the first had not gone much better than that. And I called and went through, and the manager says, how'd it go? And I said, well, you know, it wasn't let, – let me just tell you. And I told him, and he went – Oh my God. Yeah. It was just, it was so sad, <laughs> but, but you can tell pretty quickly. I mean, you can, right? Yeah. But oh do yeah. You, yeah. Do yeah. you not feel like, you know, when yeah, you I know, I know, I know, quickly? I know. I mean, I, I know when I go to a place now, the thing is like, I'm hypercritical of restaurants, you know, cause I can't, I don't know how not to be. Sure. Um, it's really difficult for Corey and I to have a meal mm-hmm. that is not, that's, 
that's not work related, right? Yeah. Like, like right. we go out on date night and it's like, oh, we're always like, we're Scouting. looking at the vents. Like yeah. I notice all the things, like I'm like, <laughs> yes. they haven't dusted this place. Oh yes. my God. Like because of the operator sure. part of me, it's not sure. even this food stuff. It's just sure. like, I see stuff and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it drives Disgusting. me nuts. Yeah. Yes. And does um, it, and are you noticing it? to notice it but then you can eat or yeah. are you noticing it and then you can't enjoy your no food? no i can't well i usually it starts the spiral you know yes. where i'm like okay now yes. i gotta see what's up but i mean i'll never leave a spot like yeah i mean we ate we, do you we, ever send anything back no I never never send anything, anything back. back um and like because i can eat any like so here's yeah, this is funny you'll, you'll appreciate this being the chef i get to taste everybody's awful disgusting rotten stuff right before it goes on the plate i'm like this is spoiling get rid of it you know like so i'm eating like gnarly stuff all the time so like i can handle food that's not good of course like i can be like oh okay yeah. like this yes. is you know i right know what happened here yes and um you know that's yeah i think Corey Corey gets more offended than i do about that kind of stuff she's like oh gross or whatever and i'm just mm-hmm. kind of like Ugh, i'm not gonna finish that let's right. move on to the next right. thing you right. know right 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 um i get that yeah um, so yeah, so it's, it's tough to have like a genuine, like experience where we're not kind of in restaurant and mode. Do you do that when you're cooking too? When I'm cooking, what do you mean? Like, can if I just something's like, something's not going well that you're making. Yeah. Do you sit there and go, oh, my oh God, this yeah. and this and this and this and this and then you can't. Yeah. yeah. And, and like when I, I do cook much at more home, of that. yeah, when I cook at home, it's like very, um, I, I it's hard for me just to like, not like to not do things properly. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's so like, yes. Corey never asked me just to like whip something up. Yeah. You know, Hey, can you just whip something up? So I'm like, okay. Cause like when I do hot dogs, <laughs> you know, I'm scoring the hot dogs. <laughs> I'm like, you know, there's like, sear- like I don't throw them in like a bubbly water <laughs> no. bath. I'm like, sear- you know what I mean? Yes. It's kind of like chef, like yes. the movie chef, chef with the grilled cheese. Yes. I'm like, it's gotta be the best, <laughs> like the That's best right. hot dog of all time, yes. you know, or else I don't want it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. And if I'm going to do it, like I'm going to do it right. And I had it that one time, that perfect way. So <laughs> yeah. I am now going to reproduce that one. Right. And it's going to be the one. three hours from now <laughs> yeah, exactly. where we actually yeah. have so it. So she never asked me to like whip something up. No, it's I like, bet she doesn't. <laughs> it's like, she's okay. smarter than that. Yeah. I get it. So if we're, if we're whipping anything up, she's the one doing the hot okay, dogs. Okay, <laughs> good. But you can suspend disbelief for her, right? Oh, um, well, she's become very, well, I'll tell you. And she wouldn't mind me saying this. She was not a good cook when She'll we first be the started judge dating. Of that. Okay. Yeah, no, she was not. She knows yeah. she wasn't. I mean, it was like very minimalist, not in a good way, yeah. like frozen okay. chicken breast gotcha. in the microwave kind of thing. I gotcha. And um, I think the first thing that I taught her to do, because she's like, hey, "I want to cook for you. I want to make dinner," and I was like, "Oh boy, here we go." <laughs> and so, so I, so I taught her to do a roasted chicken. And it's my favorite thing to eat, the yes. simple roasted chicken. And she has surpassed my roasted chicken. Nice. I don't know if it's because she makes it. But she does Certainly. it well. I mean, she cooks it well. And she, like, thermometers. She's got yes. her, her whole thing, her whole process is, is proper. And it's amazing when she does it. Wonderful. And so now I know she can do it, and she knows she can do it. Like So now she holds herself to the standard of, like, okay, well, if it's not – you know, chefed up. Yeah. Then I don't want, I don't want to do it. So we Mm, we kind of have this, Yes, but it's good because we eat well. Yes. You know, we're not eating a whole lot of frozen chicken breast or, you know, God forbid. Yeah. So what is your, what are your best, uh, dishes? What are your favorite things to cook at home? Oh, that's a good question. And do you enjoy, do you enjoy doing it? I do for the most part. 
um, I am somebody who did not cook the same thing twice for a long, long time mm-hmm. because there's so much to cook. Why would I want to do it again? Yeah, right, yeah. And so I would hit something that everybody liked and like, they would all go, well, we'll never see that again, um, which is true. So we got good at a lot of not your knife skills that you that I just refreshed with Padma. With oh, her going, oh my, my God. tourneying on the, on the first day. Beautiful. Man, Beautiful the chefs, stuff. the chefs yeah. <laughs> busted my balls that day. Oh. They're like, this guy pulls out the tournees on the first yeah. day, really? And you then burns all out. his vegetables. Well, <laughs> you got to have that, you know, high, low experience mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that first one was a roller coaster. Well, <laughs> My older daughter, who had watched a lot of them, said, I don't understand how that does not happen every to every single person. I said, oh, it does. Oh, yeah. Oh, it they does. Just, it's just selective who. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, who, gets, who gets. Well, and the notion that, you know, well, there's only the one fryer, so everybody's just going to have to. I mean, that's just such crap. Yeah. I, I have. <laughs> I don't enjoy that part. Yeah. I but don't so, enjoy that you know, part. and that was probably part of the part, hardest part of the game was that, like, I'm not a, I'm not a competition chef. No, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like. I cook no for my heart. No one theoretically like, is. Yeah. Right? Well, there's That's some. Not well, the there's point. some people that are very good at it. Right. But and I actually not. became good. I became yeah. good at the quick fires. Yeah. Um, I was not good at them. I, obviously, my first <laughs> episode was was a nightmare because uh, I had never cooked that way right? ever. Right. I mean, it's it's so false. Though. Right. It's patently false. Yeah. Unless you've done it over and over again, it's like it's like it's like it's and like the people any who sort did. of sport. And yeah. the people who did would say, oh, my God, I forgot. Yeah. Like, I loved where on the second go-round, Tom or somebody says, so who all said they'd never do this again? And everyone, yeah, everyone who was yes, like, yeah. throws their hand we up. Said, yeah, nope. never want to do this. It's, it's so unrealistic. Like, give us the the <laughs> the challenge and then come back Wednesday. Yeah. And we'll have yeah, it for yeah, you at yeah, 8 yeah. o'clock. Like, that's yeah, fine. That's totally fine. That does not happen at all. Yeah. You I'm know. not. I'm not um, getting it. I was super thankful that um, for the All Stars season, the first challenge was the mise en place. I was like, yes, like because that's my jam. Yes. I was like, no problem. Oh no, you know what I mean? Boom. Yeah, I was like, yes. no, I was like, tornado artichokes. I, I got can you. See. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we we yeah, felt they, good about where we that was we, going. we walked up to the the conservatory and so, and like from where we were standing, you know, Padman and Tom are there and you could see the, the station set up like in the distance mm-hmm. and I could see like the, mm-hmm. the ingredients. I was like, I was like, Oh man, I got Thank this. God. I was like, this is going to be a great year. Thank for God. <laughs> yeah. Well that was, helped. Yeah. Now I had never watched that season, so okay. I just watched it. And okay. the thing about where you're grilling over fire for that table of chefs, which Cr- for people who haven't watched it, go yeah. watch it. It's on Hulu. It's easy. It's season 17. 17. Yep. Um, and just the notion that, I mean, I just found that delightful. Yeah. Well, you know, we were all, um, you know, when they gave us the challenge, um, you know, we had the overnight to go shop and then cook the stuff the next morning on the mm-hmm. beach. And so we, you know, we had a little bit of time to figure out what we we're going to do. But I mean, I mean, we had like Marcus Samuelson. We had oh, it's Nancy Jeremiah Silverton Tower, and, uh, Nancy. Like, I was like, these guys, like, this is the finale table. Uh, it, <laughs> the it first was day. on the yeah. first day. Yeah, I, I mean, was like, I was crazy. stunned. Yeah. And, then, and they're like, now you got to go cook on the beach. I was like, oh. what? Uh, like, we were all just like, yeah. I was thinking about, oh, how I keep sand out of everything. Like, you oh. know what I mean? I was like, if anybody's oh. ever cooked on a beach, I'm like, there's no way you're going to. Okay, I didn't like, how do you think do of this? that. Yeah. Like, well, how do we do this? You... with Serve these guys like a, like a mitt full of sand. I had not even thought about the sand. Yeah. I did think about people, and, and then she did it, um, 
I can't think of the woman's name who fire wasn't hot enough so she poured or no mm. fish was sticking so she poured oh, the oil and I'm like yeah. oh come on yeah. children know not that to do that Nini. I got to remember, but I don't remember who it was just like, I (laughs) know not. And then Tom is like the carbon on this fish. I'm like carbon. Oh yeah. Carbon. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was delightful. So, I mean, I, I do think those things help people who watch see some of the pressure. I think they delude them into thinking, you know, well, I wouldn't have burned the vegetables. All you needed to do was, you know, so I think there is this false sense of, I don't don't know. I don't know. I don't know how people end up modulating their expectations when they see that. Right. Hmm. It's, it's, I mean, the the stuff that they come up with for these challenges is like, it's wild. I mean, it's not meant to be easy and it's meant to like have (laughs) snafus and all kinds of drama. So like if, if if someone actually executes really well, Mm -hmm. it's a feat. You know, and us, like the top chef family, right? Mm-hmm. Like the chef testants or whatever you call them. Like we're, we're all like tight. You know, there's yeah. only a handful of people that get to do this kind of thing. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we know. Yeah. You know, when somebody nails it, you're oh. like, you're like that's impressive. Yes. Like, because for the rest of us, like just getting through the challenge was right. hard enough. You know, to get something on the plate yes. is tough yes. enough. But to actually do it really well, you're like, wow, okay. And do you That takes think- some chops. When you see it edited, mm-hmm. do you watch them? Yeah. Okay. How accurate would you say is the impression given about any particular dish? For example, and here's why I ask. Mm-hmm. I look at little guy from Alabama who was cooking for the Jim. governor. Jim. I love Jim. We I all love, love Jim. Jim. Yeah, everybody Jim's loves Jim. Jim's like He's the only amazing. guy who'd ever heard of Edna Lewis. I'm like, go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jim. I know. Yeah. I got you, Jim. Um, <laughs> the notion that, I mean, what it seemed like was, Everybody thought he was nuts. He did the strawberry whatever with the with like, the chicken that livers. Was clearly crazy. Yeah. And then he does like great three great dishes, and then he gets sent home. And I'm yeah. like, what the hell happened? Either those first three dishes were not as good as we were led to believe, mm-hmm. or we're just kind of capricious about who we send home. I can't speak to that. Okay. <laughs> I have some strong feelings about that. Okay. Um, but and you uh, are you contractually know, obligated yeah, not to share well, those. No, feelings. no. I mean, I don't think I'm under any contract to say it, but like. You know, I think that a lot of it, so it's like critiquing a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I think that sometimes on the quick fires, I think that it's how well you execute the challenge. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the challenge? Sure. Like, you could, put out a, you could put out a great dish. Sure. But did you execute the challenge? Did you use all right. the pieces? Did you, right. Right. you know, and then, you know, I think they look at creativity. I think they look at... I mean, I'm sure that they look at performance, you know, how well do you do? Yes. How yes. entertaining are you? are you? You know, um, sure, like I didn't realize the underdog, like I didn't realize that I mumble under my breath while I'm cooking like that until like the first episode. <laughs> they like, like, you know, they're editing it in. I'm like, oh, my God, I was saying all this stuff <laughs> that yeah, I'm not thinking about. I'm just like, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then they put it in. You're like, oh, no. This but is what, what else? I look like. Yeah. What else did I say? You know what oh. I mean? You have no idea. Um, so I think question. they look at some of that too, like, you know, how, how good, how good is this person for the overall thing? Um, and then there's just like some straight up duds where I think their hands are tied. They're like, well, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I find that intriguing. It's interesting, though, that it's edited to such a point that 
viewers, and I know this for a fact, because as I was re-watching one um, on the Masters, mm-hmm. or as I was watching one of these episodes, um, my daughter who'd seen it, this chef in the first season, and I can't remember which chef a woman, yep. um, in the first season she was in, she goes, oh, I don't like her. And I thought, you just walked in. And she goes, oh, I remember her. And I thought, you know, I mean, to edit to personality like that, yep. they're clearly editing to personality. And this totally. person just could, did not have a nice word to say about anybody. And mm-hmm. you just got. That's all you that, got. That's all you got. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I get that that is the way you um, cultivate drama. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the bad girl. And this is the guy who, you know, whatever. This is the the guy who never cooks for anyone except the governor's friends or right, yeah. invitees. Um, but you just think some of the storylines, the, the woman who whose birthday it was and who got bounced, the yep. Italian woman who got bounced uh, on yeah. her birthday. Uh, it's like, Sylvia. what are the chances mm-hmm. of, like, we've the just curse, done the, the curse, birthday curse and we, we back up and yeah. show the 14? Like, there's no way she's not going home. Yeah. It's, it's a done deal. It you, edits. You just, I don't have any inside knowledge of that, but it's way too... Pat. <laughs> yeah. Yes. To, to, to not see it. Cool. Well, I don't have anything else for you. We've been chatting for a while. All right. I've got like two episodes worth. I'd like to have you as like a repeat guest on my podcast. That sounds Thank great. Thank you so much. Yeah.